such thing. Nada, nothing. No one ever imagined such a thing. No sane person ever. Ah, ah. Long comes this doctor. Ah, ah, ah. Semmelweis. Semmelweis. Semmelweis comes along. He's trying to convince people, well, other doctors mainly, that there are these teeny tiny invisible bad things called germs that get into your body and make you sick. Huh? He's trying to get doctors to wash their hands. What is this guy? Crazy? Teeny tiny invisible. What do you call uh, uh, germs, huh? Uh, uh, germs, huh? Globally, almost 2.5 million cases of COVID-19 have now been reported. The initial models were, were woefully inaccurate. They predicted millions of cases of death, not of, not of prevalence or incidence, but death. That is not materializing. See? There's only popular opinion. Make no mistake, we have a long way to go. And that's what I mean by over, because if the number of new cases is dropping, then it means the number of new infections has already declined dramatically over the last week. You believe in germs, right? Not crazy. Back in February, the mayor of Florence came up with a brilliant plan to fight coronavirus. Oh my bad, not the virus, the racism caused by the virus, which was obviously way more important. He started a nationwide campaign encouraging Italians to hug Chinese people in the street in order to, quote, stem the hatred. Plot twist, now Italy has the highest number of coronavirus deaths in the entire world. Of course not, of course not. You want to escape, right? That's very sane, that's very sane. Take a fucking chance, bunch of goddamn pussies. Besides, what do you think you have an immune system for? It's for killing germs. I just want access to the pure virus. Virus? Yes, for the future. I need to know where it is and exactly what it is. Ah, I get it. I see what you're up to. It's your old plot twist. Go, 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 go. They mutants. We live underground. The world belongs to the dogs and cats. We live like worms. <laughs>
and they're, and they're, they're being taught that it's important to have views, and they're not being taught that it's important to know what you're talking about. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood. But this virus remains extremely dangerous. Here it germs, why these fucking pussies? This is apostasy now. To get people actually to love their servitude, this is the ultimate in malevolent revolution. The following was recorded May 3rd, 2020. So, this is our first recording in over two years. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, we're coming out of retirement for um, basically the purpose of what the world is falling apart and people are acting crazy. Yeah, COVID 19 apparently is the apocalypse of our time. It is. Ow. <sighs> it's not ignorance or fear or or anything. So, from the beginning, uh, I'll say from the beginning for my part, and you know about this, but just for the recording. Yeah. From the beginning when this all started, I made, I didn't just say that it was a bunch of bullshit. I, I made a video talking about the, the how radical this was and trying to explain some basics about economics and how if we had everyone go home, we shut down all these businesses, how there's going to be the massive devastating consequences for this. This is back in, I don't know, February, March, early March. Yep. So, my first response to this was to be critical of it. But I've noticed that the vast majority of people have just bought everything they've been told by authorities unquestioningly, which has been very disturbing to me. Uh, it, it is disturbing. Like, I mean, it's hard to say um, for a recording being done on May 3rd that back in February when this was starting to come to light that, you know, I was like, this is... This is nothing. And and look, I'm not saying it's nothing to the people who have been infected. I'm not saying it's nothing to the people who have passed or their families. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you look at the trends, it, it doesn't appear to be the apocalypse that everyone made it out to be. Sorry, March 20th is when I made the video. So I would have made the recording probably a few days. So mid-March is when I came with that video. Right. Um, I remember it was um, March 3rd when... Uh, that friend of ours uh, passed away. Right. And I was working at a different location in a different town. I was commuting every day. And it was on the news. Like, if you turned on the radio, it was like, this is a problem. This is this is really bad. Computer models say this. Computer models say that. And I remember thinking that even then, that, that some of the proposals they were making to try and deal with it were, were just outlandish. And as the situation has evolved and as more information has come to light... Um, there are definitely experts on split on either side of this. Yeah. And look, there, there's no problem having a scientific debate about this. I'm not a scientist, so I don't get to be part of the, the big boy club where everyone gets to sit around the round table and decide whether or not this is the end of the world or not. But clearly it isn't. Right. Um, but <laughs> well, people, it, listen, people get, I just want to say, people get caught up in this debate about different experts. My issue where I came from this was not that I thought I was an expert, obviously, mm -hmm. but that, the you know appeal to authority is a very dangerous thing. If you have good criteria for me to listen to you, I will give you your chance and I will listen to people who make a good argument and have good evidence. Problem with this is that none of this was protocol. We had protocol in place for viruses when they break out. There are institutions and experts who've been working with this stuff for decades in a modern context. And they people have talked about this. They've been coming out of their private lives. These are like introverts, people who are data oriented. Mm. But they've been going public because None of this stuff was protocol, and World Health Organization was 
sending out uh, recommendations that were completely out of the, like they weren't in any textbook for right. any of this stuff. So my issue with this from the very beginning was, why are we acting this way? It'd be like going into a hospital and going, listen, you know, uh, we hear there's some patients coming in. If, yeah, if there's any background noise, there's some kids in the other room. <laughs> Just ignore it. Uh, so if you go into a hospital, you're like, listen, these people are coming in. They've, they've got the flu. Oh, okay. So I know what we'll do. We will fill the room with helium and we won't let them out till uh, they pass out. And that will be the solution. Like, but that's not the protocol. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. See, I have this, uh, I have this title and I work with this organization. And so you're anti-science if you don't believe me. That was the equivalent of what we were going through. Well, like, like look, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a disease expert. And, and I mean, that would be evident to anyone who's had a conversation with me, both online, offline, in person, so on and so forth. Um, I'd like to move away from, from talking purely about that. Although, I mean, we can address the evidence that's been presented uh, that says that the, the – the virulence of this, like it's much more infectious, but much less deadly and that a lot more people are asymptomatic. Um, and I mean, this this is not arguable anymore at this point. Like, I mean, unless it mutates, which it possibly could. And I understand that there's some legitimate fear that that might happen. The problem that I have uh, is, is more when you're arguing with just your regular Joe or Jane online, like you said, they are unquestioning to the to yeah. the news that's coming out about this on a f extremely consistent basis is like it's bad it's bad it's bad it's bad and they've got whipped up into a frenzy and when you present them with any sort of of, of evidence to the contrary or of what they're saying like you said they just go you're anti-science it's it's very much like when you try to present anything to somebody who's just entrenched in a position they just do not want to give up on it right and at, at this point it's it's infuriating because when when you when you finally make a point that they can't refute, they immediately go towards some sort of like an emotional manipulation where there's like you want my grandmother to die, you want my grandfather to yeah. die, you're being selfish, and and whether or not that's the case, which in my opinion I don't believe I'm a self selfish person by nature any more than the next person is. Um, how do I put this? <sighs> It's like the whole economic argument, right? Like when, when I said, and I did say early on, like these policies shutting down the economy is going to be terrible. And then the counter argument to that has almost consistently been from no matter what province the person is arguing online with me from, no matter where they live, United States, Europe, wherever, it's like, well, you only care about money. Well, no, I'm not arguing apples to oranges here. The economy encompasses more than just Bill Gates and other billionaires. It encompasses more than just multinational companies. It encompasses small ma-and-pa shops. Like in Canada, and I'm going to give estimates because I don't have it right in front of me, but right. I, I believe that approximates. Yeah, approximately 70% of the population is employed by small businesses. That's, that's businesses other than Walmart. You know, we're talking pizza shops, corner stores, restaurants, right. like yeah. independently owned organizations. And right from the beginning, when I would say, you know, if you shut these things down and they can't make their rent by April or May or June, like 60 to 70% of them are going to shut their doors forever. And although the government has legislated that you can't be fired because you got time off from, you know, because of COVID-19, they cannot guarantee that your boss keeps his doors open. They can't, right? So, so their response, the people's response to uh, something like this shows, it reveals rather than what they say, it reveals their actual, their actual values. You would think that in our society, their values would be grounded in freedoms, and due process, right? Understanding the basics of constitutional law, democratic process, all of these things, the basics of how they work hmm. and the importance of maintaining them. But the actual values that have been demonstrated are nothing of the sort. 
They are do what the government tells you, don't question it, comply, and everyone will be safe. Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. Literally is should have been the motto of this generation. You're not the law. I am the law. (laughs) (laughs) It's the law. Doctor uh, Judge Dread, <laughs> right? And and it's it, it, it's it's asinine in a lot of ways that when you point out to the to the individuals that no, like this is going to affect people's real lives. I mean, my background, uh, my education is in you know basic mental health. I'm I'm not an expert in mental health, but I understand. Like you have, yeah, you're schooling in it. You've done work in it, right? And I mean things like uh, isolation, alienation uh, can cause. Like uh, suppression of the immune system, things like depression, anxiety, um, all of these things have an impact on the individual. And I mean, to the point where like Facebook and other websites, uh, adverts are coming up on a regular basis funded by the government of both Ontario and Canada saying, if you need help, we have these resources for you. Like they're already aware that this is going to have a deep impact, Um, you know. Uh, a recent article came out that said 35 cardiac uh, patients have passed away because they either didn't get the hospital treatment that they needed or they they um they had their appointments canceled and yeah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg i mean yeah. that's what they can confirm that's not even including all the people who knew they couldn't see a doctor, so they didn't bother calling in the first place about a potential problem. Right. Well, I mean, like, for example, my son, he has a scheduled surgery um, a consultation that was supposed to take place next week. That has been canceled, and now it has to be done by the phone. Yeah. Well, that's going to be rather difficult, and, and I mean, luck, luckily for him, it's not a life-threatening condition, right? But there are other people who are so afraid of going to a hospital and being exposed to this thing that... And the and the other departments and hospitals are shut down or reduced in their hours or whatnot. That that there's no there's no vehicle for these people to get the help that they need. And some of these cancers, uh, liver conditions, and other things, if they're not diagnosed in a certain amount of time, the right, long term lethal. They, yeah, long term they become lethal. Um, or they simply become long term, like you just said. Like it could have been something taken care of. Now it's going to be with you the rest of your life. Right. And that has all kinds of side effects along with it. Just not just the original right. problem. And, and not to mention that, you know, like the potential for a spike in suicides, domestic violence, which they've already started reporting about. And these are the things that I said, as you remember from, from my discussions online with other people that I said, you are, you are ignoring the other, uh, detriments that are on the, on the edge of this, that are, yeah. that are outside of your view. Cause right now you have tunnel vision on this one issue. And I'm not saying yeah. it's not a major issue. I want to make that clear to anyone who would listen. I think we should have taken this seriously, but to the, to the extent that the government has reacted, what they are doing is they are creating a problem that doesn't seem to occur right now, but a year from now. They, they've used a shotgun to catch, catch the fly. Y- yeah. Right. There's so much damage that's going to be happening around this issue now. That it's going to, in years to come, this issue will pale except as a footnote at the beginning of it. Right. Um, and I think part of it is, is you know, and, and I, I hope people disagree and I hope you disagree, but maybe you won't. But I think that as a, as a culture, Western society has come to raise up victims. And I mean- We've been coddled. Very coddled. Very coddled. But I mean, we, we, you know, the whole victim culture that we've been talking about when it comes to like movies or games, uh, this whole uh, social justice warrior thing. And I'm not trying to bring the social justice warrior thing into this because it's, it's only a part or a component of what I'm talking about. Yeah. But movies, TV shows, we, you know, think about a disaster movie like um, Outbreak or- um, uh, Andromeda Strain? 
Yeah, the Andromeda Strain, or uh, even like the Asteroid movie with Bruce Willis. Um, oh, uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. You know, we we as a culture, we love we love survival stories like this. This strength in the face of adversity, mankind coming together to you know to fight X, whatever X is, whether it's the Independence Day aliens, or whether it's an asteroid, or a force of nature, or a supernatural force, Doomsday, whatever. Doomsday, and we need to stop Doomsday. Yeah, we need to stop Doomsday. And I've even heard people talk about like. You know, World War One and Two movies or movies about the Great Depression. Not that I can think of many of them, but it's almost like as a culture, we've romanticized yeah. um, disaster to a point where we want, we want. It's like the people I'm arguing with, they want this to be this bad. Yeah, because when you tell them, hey, you know what? Now we have more data. It's not as bad as they said it was going to be. They get angry. Oh, they, they do. They do. They get, they get, they even get more angry. In fact, you can see them almost double and triple down too. It's like, it's like when you show them that the numbers didn't materialize the way that the computer models made that made it out. And the computer models, from what I was led to understand and what I've read, were even in the face of these measures, this lockdown, even with this lockdown, this is going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be this bad. It was meant to delay the the amount of people getting sick and dying, but really not changing it, except that the hospitals were not, not supposed to be overloaded. Overloaded. Right. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Kmart sucks. Yeah. But <laughs> short short phrases repeated often. Yeah. Short phrases. Yeah. But we, we flatten the curve. But when you look at other places... Even though the 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 case fatality rate, well, I'll get to that. Even though the case, <laughs> even though the case fatality rate is worse in some places that did less uh, to to lock down their economies. When you look at the trends, it, they didn't see that exponential growth where it ripped through the entire population. And and I hope somebody better at reading this data can point out if I'm wrong. Because I don't want to, I don't want to be misleading. But from everything that yeah. I've seen, and 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 trust me, I'm looking at a lot of sources because I don't like arguing with people and not knowing at least right. the basics of what I'm talking about. Is that even places you just that, hate people's uh, families? I yeah no. I I mean old people are a drain on them. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> well earlier on it was everyone wanted to kill people's children. Right. Um. But it it just seems like even the places that that had very minimalistic intervention didn't see that exponential growth and that overload in their hospital system. And although all of these deaths are are tragic to the individual families, it's strange how, you know, if you had asked people six or seven months ago, do you think the government cares about you and your family? Yeah. A lot of people that we would have talked to have been like, no, they don't. Right. And now, now all of a sudden, yeah. now all of a sudden, this like big brother is here for us. Yeah. You got to listen to try to save lives. And yeah. I got to rat you out if you're going to the gym. Oh, yeah. The snitch lines. Snitch lines. Those are fun. Look, so, you know, maybe, maybe what we should do is go into the, the pro science idea. Okay. So a lot of people listen to our stuff. If anyone's still listening, at least they used to be. Well, really- two years ago, they did. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people are still visiting the site. And so that's why we decided maybe we should do a recording. Right. Yeah. So, a lot of people listen to our stuff. I get the impression many, many of them are interested in science and what it has to say and value it. So, here's the problem. Already years ago, I was getting flack from a lot of atheists and skeptics in certain groups on social media that I was going against the grain. They would have pro-science days where they'd have these little parades. And then they would have arguments and attack any conservatives that would come out. Anyone who's seen as conservative or not left wing. And I said, listen, what you're doing is you're politicizing science. And this is extremely detrimental to science and society because no political wing owns science. Science is not left wing. Oh, that's horseshit. The left owns science. That's true. Yes. They patented it. 
<laughs> so this phrase, you're anti-science, is really another short phrase often repeated. And these are, these are things like, you know, when say fake news, someone says fake news, I know they're not thinking anymore. Short phrases that are repeated easily means that they don't want to think, so the conversation's going to go nowhere. When someone says to me, oh, you're anti-science, uh, or you need to agree with me because you need to be pro-science, that tells me that their thinking process is over. Mm-hmm. It's done. Science is not a consensus. This is not just a, a, nu- a nuisance. It's, this is reality. Right, like those California doctors that had their video removed from from uh, uh, YouTube by yeah. Google, you know. And then other ones are being downplayed in the, uh, the algorithms. And of course, how long has it taken even for Fox News to come up with some of the stuff? And they're seen as obviously crazy right wing by a lot of left wingers, right? So the scientific process has been corrupted in terms of authorities. So when this happened, because I'm aware of this, World Health Organization comes up and starts making statements. People I know, people I respect start saying, well, you have to agree with this because it's the World Health Organization. They're medical experts. And I said, perhaps they have medical degrees, depending on who you mean, but they are bureaucrats. This is political. So you need to question it. And they acted like I was a lunatic. Well, yeah, because you're out to see as many people die as possible. Yeah. Well, when you're hiring people for an organization that's political, you know, they, you want to get someone with good credentials. That's, you know, but you want to make sure they're going to play ball. Right. You know, like, it's funny how when you look at someone like uh, Trudeau, and I'm sorry to kind of bring in our federal... um, Federal Prime Minister Serious Face. Prime Prime Minister uh, Handsome Hitler. Um, (laughs) when, when, When people talk about his lack of experience or his experience as a drama teacher and they attacked him like that, it backfired because the people who voted for him, whether they were dumb or not, whether they agreed with him or not, or whether they just voted for him because they thought he was charismatic and, and, and the anti-Harper. Right. Um, you know, people people were okay that his expertise wasn't in any field that would have allowed him to conduct good governance. You know, uh, And not only that, the people he's put on his panel over this, none of them, I think there's one person with a medical background one. Well, I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but I don't. I don't want to. Well, the, the main on that. the main person he put in charge of of all this stuff on his council. Her background was in advertising. What about Doctor Teresa Tam? Or am I not understanding uh, that she has a different position? This was a council he put together specifically for kind of the mechanics of dealing with it. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, when when people brought up his lack of, of of credentials, people ignored it. It was fine. You know, they didn't they didn't need the guy who was leading the country to know the first thing about economics or law right. or, or you know, politics beyond watching what his dad had done. Um, taking selfies. <laughs> right, taking selfies. his hair and, a lot. And- right. And now we're in a situation where, you know, we are questioning bureaucratic experts, right? Like they're, they're, they're really academics. They're not, they're not, they're not the frontline guys or, or, and girls doing this work and dealing with this pandemic on the front lines. Yeah. And when you question them, it's like, well, no, you can't question these experts. Well, okay, fine. I'm questioning his policies. Well, his policies are informed by the experts. Yeah, but he appointed the experts. Are the experts divorced from from his decisions? And this this is what I'm trying to get through to people is that, you know, it used to be that politicians engaged in policy, legislation, whatnot, and experts were there to inform them on the science of the matter or the sociology of the matter or whatever, the, whatever right. it was their field of expertise was. Yeah. And if the politician ignored that expert, that expert was free to go and report to another agency or even go public. Yeah. Right. And say, I gave uh, politician X this information. He ignored it, went through with this policy. This is not the science. Right. But now what you have are bureaucratic scientists, right? They've, they've become incestuous where they're married the politics and the science together. Right. Yep. And, and now 
you you really have to question whether or not the decisions being put forward by our politicians are truly recommended by those experts. And when the experts are sitting there nodding their heads and going, yes, this is what we need to do. We need to lock it down. You need to social distance. You need to do this. Yeah. Well, where do the, where do the dissident voices go to reach the public? So this is another issue that we're talking right now about the, the bureaucrats. Well, me, the media, the press, the job of a journalist is to investigate, but also to challenge people in power. Right. That's the point. Not to have a grudge against them, but to challenge them, to make sure that they are accountable. In Not some in way. Canada. We're, we paid for that. Media. Yeah. And this is, this is fallen in Can- Well, in the States, they have, they want access. Mm. So some countries, they, they want the access. They get, um, they get discounts on their taxes, you know, for their companies. There's ways that, but in Canada, places like us, the, mo- the government now actually pays money directly to media companies that play ball. Yeah. So it's gotten so bad that, you know, I know often alternative media is what they call them, right? Up here we have rebel media, but every country has someone that is untactful or not pretty to look at, you know, what they do. But these are essential to not have them shut down because where else do people go with a dissident voice? The public has a right to hear what these people have to say. So let's just talk about, uh, what's his name? Um, the, the crazy guy. Oh, uh, what? Trump? No, no, no. Uh, the, the, yeah. <laughs> Not that crazy guy. I'm talking about the Alex Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So, Alex Jones has said a lot of crazy stuff, crazy ways. This is our country. Ah, you're here. We're going to feed on your ass. And the cops just drink fluoride water. Oh, they take their kids and just shoot them up with mercury. And the kids become autistic. The cops don't care. They're, I'm going to the tech bar. I don't care about kids' brain damage. They drink whiskey and wreck and kill everybody in Austin. And then when they wreck and kill themselves, the cops then go and SWAT team the bar owners that sold them too much whiskey. It's your fault you sold too much whiskey to a god you don't sell too much whiskey to a god we're god you understand we rule america but alex jones for instance during the last presidential election leading up to it he put stuff on that had been source dropped by wikileaks about that was very relevant to the election and the public got to see it now it was controlled on every other platform including the news yeah if it wasn't for alex jones and people like him no one would have known about it and it made a huge impact on the election right so when it comes to stuff like this, we have a right to hear the dissident voices. We're not going to hear it on major networks or on up here, our state-run broadcaster. Right. Well, okay. So like bringing it back to the whole COVID-19 and Ontario or Canada's yeah. response to it, um, every single day, depending on whether it's CBC News, CTV News, Global News, whatever whatever news organization seems to be the one that, that I personally am exposed to on a regular basis, when you're getting these reports – like the the somber delivery by every newscaster, by every reporter is always like, we as Canadians feel devastated. We as Canadians are heartbroken. We as Canadians are standing together. We all agree. We, 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 yeah. right? They've, they've taken this this approach to delivering the news to the people that, that there is a consensus that doesn't yes. necessarily exist. They tell us how we feel. Right. And like, I mean, I'm here. I'm mad. I'm mad about a lot of things. We'll address them during the course of this conversation, and I'm sure it'll be edited so it's all put in good order. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think I've ever told anyone, whether I'm online with them or whether I'm in person with them, how how you should feel. Right. right. Um, like I, I had a discussion with somebody. I was trying to point out to them that that there's not enough evidence to support that. Uh, the curve was flattened because of our lockdown. So here, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the, the, we started to see the trend lines leveling off, uh, at least in Ontario, and they were going in the direction. Talking direct- about IQ, right? 
<laughs> no, but but possibly. Uh, but no, like like the zing zing, <laughs> the number of people getting getting infected uh, per day, even though we were still having spikes in in high days and low days, it wasn't growing at this arc that was going to hit the stratosphere anymore. Right, it, was it wasn't going to be a zombie apocalypse. It, it plateaued essentially yeah. for all intents and purposes, which was supposed to be the good news. And then that's what I was saying. People got mad about when you tell them. You know, like the the ten percent of the population hadn't dropped dead, right? You know, but but you know they said we need to flatten the curve, so we succe- succeeded in that, and then they extended the emergency order, right? Because now we don't just need to flatten the curve; now we need to get it under this 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 number of infections per day community spread. I think is what they called it. And no matter no matter how you approach this this conversation with the people, um, you know their their immediate drawback or fallback point was. Well, uh, you know, you, again, you don't care about my grandma or the other one was, uh, I have an immune issue or I have diabetes or I have one of these conditions and these comorbidities that makes me vulnerable to this. Therefore, you must protect me by doing exactly what you are told. Right. And, and which is not how the constitution of any free nation has been constructed. Right. At least none that I have ever been made aware of. But here's the thing, right? Even I can understand why somebody who has a comorbidity that would make them vulnerable would feel that way. And I'm not going to yeah. tell them to feel different. At that point, the discussion is over because they're not thinking rationally. And look, fear is a legitimate thing. People have fear for good reasons. Yeah. I think people who do have comorbidities and who are in a vulnerable popul- set of the population should take extra precautions to protect themselves. But right. it should not be incumbent on me and every other man, woman, and child in the country to protect you. I'm not a soldier. I'm not a politician. I'm not a police officer. I didn't sign up to be your guardian. All right. And I have a job to do and I have a family to take care of. And the longer that your fear allows the government to perpetuate this lockdown, the worse off my family and hundreds of thousands of millions of other families become. You're talking about the limitations of reality. Right. The notions of fantasy can, you know, if you want to do a good thing and you're not concerned about reality, the sky is the limit. Right? There's no limit. Your feelings will just guide you into anything. The problem is you need to attach this to reality. There, there are limitations to what you can achieve. Material reality is what you're talking about. If everyone's told they have to stay at home and not leave the house, then society breaks down and you have far more problems. So we're talking about people who have an immune problem. Yes, stay at home, take precautions. Maybe if we approach this differently and follow the protocol, we could have spent our resources instead of shutting down society and wasting them. We could have focused on the people who were vulnerable and put measures in place to help them. Well, they already knew back in early March that this was going to be particularly nasty for the elderly, right? Because right. not only are they over that uh, that age range where they are the most vulnerable, but the elderly also have um, a great many of those comorbidities. Right. And I mean, the sci- this, is, this is pure science. I hope that when this becomes a video that you edit in like where they've already found in like places like Italy and New York City and yeah. Toronto, large population centers, that a lot of the people that have passed away from this are not only just old, but also have cardiovascular issues, also have breathing issues. Right. And, and, and they, they have these other conditions that contribute to them being yeah. particularly vulnerable. Ultimately, we need to know what is the case fatality rate of our COVID-19 patients. Case fatality rates between countries may differ as testing policies and thresholds for hospitalization vary. 
Also, demographics, smoking rates, and the prevalence of comorbidities impact case fatality rates. These factors vary from country to country. In a study of 2,634 patients hospitalized with COVID-19 in the New York City area between March 1st and April 4th, 2020, the hospitalized mortality rate was 21%. Of those patients who died from COVID-19, about 24% were between 18 and 65 years old. The remaining 76% were all aged over 65 years. The study conducted in New York hospitals did not report any deaths under 18 years old. Researchers reported the characteristics and outcomes of children with COVID-19 who were admitted to U.S. and Canadian pediatric intensive care units. Researchers collected data from 46 pediatric hospitals, but only 35% of those hospitals reported any COVID-19 cases. In total, 48 children were admitted to the ICU But they already knew this. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they already knew this. And yet it wasn't until, uh, don't quote me on it, but I think it was like the a, uh, March 26th to 28th, where the Ford government here in Ontario made it a rule that if you worked at a long-term care facility, you could only work at one. Because a lot of these people don't make enough money one, to work so their part-time move. hours at – so they, they have part-time hours at one facility yeah. and then part-time hours at another facility to make up for the fact that they don't have full-time hours. Right. So then he said, no, you can't do that because now you're you're a carrier between two different locations and these are hotspots. Well, they already knew. They already knew that the old were vulnerable to this. Yeah. Why wasn't that – why wasn't that considered right away? I think, okay, so a lot of people right away will go into the realm of uh, people are conspiracy theorists. That's what they're going to talk about. Okay. So just for the record, when you're questioning things, there will always be some people who immediately respond and you should ignore this, that you're a conspiracy theorist because conspiracy theory was meant to respond to people, was meant to, to label people who were emotional and irrational on an issue that didn't care about facts or fact checking more specifically. Right. But you should still hear out an idea before you dismiss it. Dismissing ideas without considering them means that you are no better than a conspiracy theorist because you basically are just believing whatever's popular. Well, I mean, like, look, going back to that whole, like, why didn't they even consider this? They considered shutting down the entire country. Oh, actually, the entire fucking world. Got yeah. shut down by this. Well, that, sorry, that is the only reason that the idea popped in my head is because I think that people that started taking actions that are in authority, I don't think they thought that we would roll over so easy. So I think it got away from a lot of these people. They thought that they would start bringing the hammer down about some of this stuff, uh, about shutting things down. But I don't think they ever thought we would get to this point. Yeah. I, you know what, though? Like, <laughs> it doesn't require, I'm just saying, it doesn't require a conspiracy. That's just human nature. Like, they're like, well, we better bring the hammer down because we need results. And then they got more than they expected, and they were probably like, well, well, shit. Like, I mean, <laughs> how, how did some of the most popular uh, or, or influential um, studies of the last uh, 50 years get ignored in all of this? People seem to not understand that yeah. you have the Stanley Milgram experiment, and then you have the, the Zimbargo uh, Stanford prison experiment. People who have power will, under the right conditions, abuse it, and people yeah. who are lorded over by those in power will tend to lean towards agreeing with authority. 
You know, that was the whole purpose, like, you know, shock this person taking the test or abuse this prisoner or something like right. something yeah, to that absolutely. effect. Yeah, this so has been now, well, well understood for a long time. Right. So now you're giving, like in the case of Ontario, uh, because the uh, Emergency Management and Civil Protections Act allows uh, municipalities and the government to essentially deputize um, local bylaw officers, people who would ticket you for riding your bicycle on the sidewalk but don't carry a gun, can now walk up to you and hand you an $880 ticket for not social distancing or not doing this. And I've heard personally- It changes their point. It changes their mindset. Yeah. Now they have power. Now now they're just not ticketing you because you you double parked. Now they're not ticketing your kid because he was riding his bike on the sidewalk. Now they're not handing out just a $25 ticket because your cat got outside. Because they are important keepers of life and death and of society. They're agents of society. Right. So this is kind of the celebrity effect. Celebrities are surrounded, especially if they're young when they start, but they're surrounded by people that constantly tell them they're beautiful, that they're correct, that they're smart. And this has a distorting effect on their mindset. This is why so many of them sound stupid when they're on social media making videos, like they're just out to lunch. Uh, so everyone else is in lockdown. They're in their mansions right now saying, and hey, we're all in this together while well, they're sitting in their jacuzzis and yeah, yeah. Uh, surprisingly, uh, disappointing to see some of them, some, some of them who were the older ones, like, like stars from the eighties, you would have hoped they would have had their feet a little bit more grounded. And you know, but some of them can probably respond to the feedback at this point. But what I'm saying is the reason they don't think about that is because it's their norm. They're used to these conditions. Their mindset has changed from when they were a quote normal person. Right. So when you have politicians who at first are telling people, well, we have to do this. But after a while, the public is saying back to them, yes, and you're saving our lives. Keep going. We absolutely need this. Don't listen to anyone that says no. This is the, the feedback they're getting. Well, it goes to their head. Yeah. Uh, another prediction that you and I made, and again, I wish uh, maybe uh, when you're editing this video, you can actually find some of our posts uh, where we did this all in text, where we said, you watch out, they're going to take, they're going to go after our guns next. Yeah. Uh, because now if, if people who are listening don't know this, there was a horrific shooting uh, out in- um, Like a week ago in Nova Scotia. In Nova in Scotia, yeah. A guy uh, bought um, an old RCMP vehicle. Uh, then, then what he, well, he was a collector of RCMP stuff. Yeah. He, he so, had a, some sort of fetish with, and, the, and if you don't know that, that's our federal police force here. RCMP is Royal Mounted Canadian Police Force. Yeah. Something like that. Our and, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Force. So then he took, uh, some guns, um, and he had a uniform and he had a car and he was going around and he was massacring people. It was with terrible. Guns he had illegally, by the yeah, way. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't have a, a Gun license. FAC, yeah. uh, license. Like I've taken my FAC. I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to. I don't own a gun, but I'm allowed to. Yeah. Um, but he went and he, he, he murdered a whole bunch of people and it's terrible. And then within the span of a week, uh, to a week and a half, uh, the Trudeau, uh, government with a minority at that feels that he yeah, has parliament. By the way, he's dispersed parliament. So parliament didn't even have a chance to question him, question period or anything like. No. So he used an order in council, which is. Just for simplicity's sake, and I know that this it's is like an a, executive order. It's like an executive order, right? In the States, yeah. So now people have two years to turn in, uh, get into the over, buyback program. Over fifteen hundred miles of guns he is are on his own with no one else involved, made illegal. Right now, Canada doesn't have uh, you know the right to bear arms enshrined in its in its constitution, but this goes this goes beyond that. So somebody yeah. who legally purchased a gun three weeks ago, let's say they wanted an AR-15 to go to the firing range. Or, perfect- or worse yet, yeah, 20 years ago and has been a completely law-abiding citizen obeying all the rules for 20 years. 
Right. And and now that gun is illegal. They yeah. can grandfather it in, but they'll never be able to do anything with it. They may as well just take the firing pin out and put it on their wall as a, you know, a, a placeholder. Um, I'm not a gun nut. Like I'm, I'm really not, but I've, I've, my position on this has evolved over the last 10 years to the point where it's like, if you didn't break the law with it, why are you being punished? Right. Um, so, so we, we, you and I, we pointed this out. We said, as soon as people start getting violent now, my, I'll be full disclosure. My thought was that there were going to be a small pocket of people who were not going to handle this lockdown well. And if they were already, um, unstable, and I'm not saying that's the case with this dentist that he was, he clearly was already unstable, but I'm just saying, yeah, he was unstable in some way, but I think eventually it'll become clear. Uh, they've been really tight lipped about it, but I think it'll become clear that he went to kill his ex-wife or whatever, ex-girlfriend, and then decided he'd be able to cover it up somehow. But he was an idiot and just started shooting a bunch of people and got caught anyway. Yeah. But, and I mean... By the way, he's dead for anyone who's interested. Yeah. They they shot him, I think, is what it was. Yeah. They shot him. He killed one cop, so I think once they got him, they were like... Yeah, taken down. Um, but, I mean, like, it, it's just... I assumed initially, and again, it was 100%, it was an assumption that somebody or some group of people were going to get mad about this and then shoot up some people and that that... The emotional. Yeah, that emotional incident would cause them to do this. And that is what happened. But I'm I'm not convinced it had anything to do with COVID at all. Right. I thought it would have something to do with COVID. Well, with this okay, guy. but we don't know for sure. But uh, the principle still remains in place. It's possible he had this in his mind and his two businesses being forced to shut down and being stuck at home and thinking about it all the time finally made him decide that he should do it. Maybe. We can't read his mind. He's dead, right? So we don't know unless some evidence comes out to say. But what I'm saying is there have been other incidences that we can track. Uh, increases in the suicide hotlines. There's been increases in domestic violence calls. Yeah. Child abuse, uh, domestic violence. Uh, depression, anxiety. And this yeah. is just now. This is just after like six weeks of this. Right. And depression, uh, anxiety, abuse. These things don't just go away when you not, stop the lock, lockdown. Yeah. Not to mention that poverty has a, um, a correlation, like a, a, like a, a trackable correlation oh, yeah. with life expectancy. Yep. Right. So some of these people are going to have to pick up their roots. Like, so now they've been, they've been subjected to a month or two going into two months of lockdown. They haven't been able to see their families. They haven't been able to see their friends. They haven't been able to go to work. They have nothing to distract them, but go online and listen to the world tear itself apart online. And and that's part of the way that social media is bad, I guess, is because they're only exposed to this two viciously fighting sides of this coin. And then to top it all off, when everything comes out of lockdown, the authorities have already moved the goalposts so many times. It used to be now you have to flatten the curve, you have to flatten the curve. Now the curve is flattening, but now we have to drop it to – it has to be flat and this low. And if yeah. there's a surge and a return to surge in cases, well, then we're going to lock you down again. It's not a discussion. They're not asking us. They're telling us that we're going to have to do this. And then they were like, well, life isn't going to return to normal until you get a vaccine. And then I even read an article by an yeah. expert who says that even if we get a vaccine, you're still going to have to social distance because there's no yeah. guarantee the vaccine will work. The, yeah. the, like, they I'm going to put up a, a clip here of George Carlin where he talks about how we over-sterilize ourselves. Right. It's just one more way of reducing your liberty and reminding you that they can fuck with you anytime they want. As long as you put up with it. As long as you put up with it. Which means, of course, any time they want. 
because that's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have now is a completely neurotic population obsessed with security and safety and crime and drugs and cleanliness and hygiene and germs. There's another thing, germs. Where did this sudden fear of germs come from? in this country. Have you noticed this? The media constantly running stories about all the latest infections, salmonella, E. coli, hantavirus, bird flu, and, and Americans are, they panic easily, so now everybody's running around scrubbing this and spraying that and overcooking their food and repeatedly washing their hands, trying to avoid all contact with germs. It's ridiculous and it goes to ridiculous lengths. In prisons, before they give you a lethal injection, they swab your arm with alcohol. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's true. Well, well, they don't want you to get an infection. And you can see their point. Wouldn't want some guy to go to hell and be sick. Besides, what do you think you have an immune system for? It's for killing germs. But it needs practice. It needs germs to practice on. So, so listen, so listen, if you kill all the germs around you and live a completely sterile life, then when germs do come along, you're not going to be prepared. And never mind ordinary germs, what are you going to do when some super virus comes along that turns your vital organs into liquid shit? I'll tell you what you're going to do, you're going to get sick, you're going to die, and you're going to deserve it because you're fucking weak and you got a fucking weak immune system. Now, But, but it's like, like, at what point are you going to pull back the curtain and see that, that this is all bullshit? And I'm not saying the disease is bullshit. I'm not saying that the, the risk response, is bullshit. The, the response is bullshit. And they just want to see how far they can push it. And as a nation goes, you know, I know it's a stereotype. The Canadians are so even keel and polite and whatever. But holy shit, is it ever fucking holding true? Maybe not online arguing with fellow citizens. Yeah. But I mean, this this just ability to roll over and show our bellies to authority with absolutely no pushback. I'm not going to make any excuses or, or, or sugarcoat it. I've been calling people cowards and weak. There's a weak generation. And I am dismayed because even though I've had complaints about this and concerns about this in the past, I had no idea how bad it had gotten. Uh, it, it's terrible. It's disgraceful. Well, the worst part is, is that, you know, okay, so I don't own a gun. I don't. I have never owned one. I can Neither fire I, one. Yeah. I can fire one. I have fired them. I've gone hunting and, and whatnot for turkey and deer. Um, and every now and then you fire them at cars that are passing by your house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just for a disclaimer, that's a joke. Yeah. Just got to be <laughs> careful about that. But but I have one and I took all my licensing and I took the tests and everything like that. And I have my restricted firearms license because I wanted to get into security. And I didn't because it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so, with, with all of that. You follow you, the rules. I follow the rules. <laughs> and then when I ask somebody, you know, like, what do you feel about Trudeau just unilaterally, you know, with his own party, striking down legal gun owners' rights to have these things. And yeah. they're like, well, what difference does it make to me? I don't own a gun. Yeah. Yeah. There's the same oh. argument of, well, what does it matter if you have no privacy and the government uh, intrudes because you have something to hide? If not, then why are you worried? Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so, but I tried to flip this argument on its head, right? Because a lot of people, they don't like analogies. All right. right? Yeah. But if you can hit them with one that they can't refute, then. Then, then they, they get angry they, and they unfriend you. That too. <laughs> or or they actually re reconsider. So I said, okay, how about this? 
I said, I don't have a uterus. I'm I'm a man. I don't have a what? uterus. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm sorry. Not all men have dicks, but but whatever. We're that's yeah, off I mean, topic. But so my, this, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> at least in Canada, under Bill C-16, not all men have penises. So we tell um, Jeff Goldblum he has questions. <laughs> But my point, fuck. <laughs> my point is, is that I don't have a uterus. I can't have the, ch- the child, right? right? So I guess if somebody's fighting for abortion rights, if yeah. I believe in the right to choose, and I'm a man and I'm trying to support somebody's right to choose, um, I shouldn't. Why? Why? Why would I? It doesn't affect me, right? It has nothing to do with me. I don't have a uterus. I can't have kids. I guess I'll just let you fight that battle on your own. Oh, you mean you shouldn't be helping them? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like they're saying, why do you care? Why would you help these people who are getting ticketed for no reason? You didn't get a ticket. Why would you fight for these individuals uh, that own guns? You don't own a gun. What difference does it make to your life? Yeah, it's like they don't understand the impact of how these things come about. So, this is why I talk about principles. And you'll hear a lot of really good thinkers at some point – if you look through their material, you'll find them talking about first principles or something like this. So a principle cannot have exceptions, right? If you know what your actual principles are in life as a person, like a lot of people are unclear about them and they'll think they have principles that don't. This shows up in your life because if it's an actual principle, you will live by it. So if your principle is you look out for yourself, right? You actually, you're a very selfish person. You just look out for yourself, but you say your principle is to do the right thing. Well, people can watch you and they'll see you looking out for yourself when the time get, you know, gets tough. Yeah. And that's your real principle. It's the same thing in society. Is our principle liberty, freedom? Is that our principle? Everyone deserves the right to privacy. We assure it with privacy, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, right to pri- pro- uh, property, right? Yeah. You get your own business. You can do your own thing. And that principle is only limited when you infringe on other people's liberty with what you're doing, right? And that's why we have the courts to sort that out. Right. Right. That is the limitation. But the principle doesn't change. You don't make exception. So now we have an illness. Now- the, the principle that should come into play here, if we're going to not have the liberty principle in play, is that we're going to have a plague and everyone's going to die. <laughs> right? I mean, like lots of people and things are going to spin out of control. But none of the steps that should have been in place, like pushing aside liberty and freedom in a free society should be very difficult to do. It was actually very easy here. Oh, yeah. They just said, listen, are you afraid of dying? And they made every person actually fear that they were going to die. People were thinking about what it would be like to suffer and die. Right. And because we're so coddled, this terrified people. Now, again, I I, I would allow for – well, not allow. Anyone can argue with me all they want. I, so, I won't allow an argument. You can just do it. Um, what feel, I mean free, to say, feel free to pause this at any time and argue. Yes, please. <laughs> but but uh, so, people uh, that I've had discussions with about this COVID-19 or about coronavirus – uh, who are talking about how bad it is and how much worse it could have gotten if we did nothing. You know, when you point out to them that it is, it is not my responsibility to ensure your safety. Now, as a free society and as a nation of people who, you know, want to see the betterment of their own nation, I understand the urge to want to support your fellow citizens. I don't have an argument with that. Right. right? But when you point out to them that the numbers just don't bear out that it is as bad as it appears to be, that is either a failing of the experts to explain clearly in terms that the regular, including me, I'm a regular guy, can understand why I need to take it as seriously as you're making it out to be. Or my interpretation is possibly correct. You know, like obviously there's a, a, a litany of other options in, in between these two extremes. But then when, when, when you're arguing with people who are 
the same average Joe as me. So I'm not talking about me arguing with a doctor. Me arguing with a doctor would be a very different discussion than me right. arguing with a person who's in a similar position in life. But when I'm discussing with somebody who's in a similar position in life, um, they they immediately say, well, fine, you, you're going to be responsible for killing a number of people. Like, yeah. like we, I don't know who because- You're not what? doing all the things you're told, therefore, you're going to get people sick and they're going to die and you're a murderer. Right. Look, for anyone listening, unless you've lived your entire life inside a bubble, you are responsible for somebody else's death. It's the circle of life, baby. You've gotten the flu. You've gotten a cold. <laughs> maybe you, you didn't have symptoms right away, even though the flu gets symptomatic in like one to three days. But you've gone out to a store, you've touched something, and then somebody else touched it, and then they took yes. it home and bought it. And then one of their kids touched it, took it to school. Their kid touched another kid. That yeah. kid went home, had kissed his grandma on the cheek, and she got a cold and she died. All right. Somewhere down the chain of contacts, every person alive today is at least in part responsible for causing the death of another person. No other disease has ever been treated like this that I can think of, except for maybe, you know, the Spanish flu, where a lot of people were like avoiding each other. Um, and if you look back to historical accounts about the Black Death, like brothers and, and brothers right. wouldn't visit each other and whatever. But these were since since these times, like circumstances matter. So what I tell people is, OK, I'm like, look at the Black Death. Uh, bubonic plague, right. right? So this killed at least over half of Europe by estimates. Well, it's a po- possible death range of uh, like uh, twenty, no, thirty uh, percent. I think I it was. It was massive. Uh, yeah. Whatever it was, like, way beyond anything we've seen yeah. in generations. Uh, and so what I tell people is now I'm going to bring up the name Nostradamus, but not because of his crazy future telling books or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> his actual day job before he kind of lost his family <laughs> and went crazy. Uh, he was a respected doctor, and during the time of the plague, he would move from town to town, and he would document why he wouldn't get sick while he was helping people, and he would be teaching other doctors how not to die. So it was things like washing his hands. Now, they didn't have germ theory. No. They didn't have microscopes, right? So he was doing this as something that he had observed as making sense. He would have them burn all the sheets and beddings and stuff when the person got better if they survived. He would ground up things like uh, what we call them, uh, parts of the rose that had lots of vitamins in there. He would grind these things up and turn them into a tea and give them certain vitamins. Right. So types of knowledge that he was working with at the time seemed crazy to other doctors, but were actually now, over time, they were able to see that they made sense, not just with observation, but with more science, being able to see the microscopic, right? Right. So things have changed. Why is it that a third of our population, a half of our population doesn't die from a plague now? Because we understand it better. Right. So these movies we have that have built up this fear for decades, we watch these movies from Hollywood about we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And we're like, oh, that was an interesting movie, but we get an emotional rise out of it. Conditioned us to believe one day a disease was going to hit and wipe out a massive portion of our population. That may never happen. And certainly the assumption that the government has diseases that can do this is completely unfounded. We have no such knowledge that that exists. Right. Oh man, I went off on a tangent. You know what? I missed the one point that I was really going for. So I'm going to try and I'm going to yeah. try and finish it now. Yeah. So uh, you look at Ford, right? When he's talking about how we plateaued the curve, we flattened the curve, and then I said they pushed the goalpost back. Well, here's the thing, right? So now the curve is flattened. There's no question that the curve is flattened. Right. And now everyone is collectively patting themselves on the back, taking credit that the reason the flattened the curve is flattened is because of the actions we took. There's right. no evidence no. to support that as of yet. Correlation not is not causation, right? right. So, so they are they are already collectively patting themselves on the back when other places that did less were less invasive or did nothing even um, have a similar similar yeah. curve. All right. 
So fine, you want to take credit for it. That sounds good as a, in a soundbite, but where's the evidence that that happened? Yeah, because okay, so this is like uh, in the skeptic communities, we've talked about this a lot where people will come around when you have an illness – um, and they'll say, you know, like, we'll say, I don't know, you, you go to a chiropractor and the chiropractor is like, listen, I know you're not feeling very well, but if I adjust your back, then it'll help you heal quicker. Or I'll sell you these, you go to somebody like that and they sell you these uh, supplements. These will help you get better quicker. Take or these. help you lose weight. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, but when you get better, which would have happened no matter what, now you assume that the supplement or the treatment got you better. But that's not enough. You have to do blind studies to prove that. Right. You have to demonstrate it. So just because people stayed home, we shut down the economy, or people were like not getting near each other, social distancing, which is a term I don't like, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that it, it actually affected the illness. Because people, as a general rule, they don't understand how germs work. You can tell them. But then, like I've told you this, we'll be sitting there, someone will be lecturing me about, you know, needing to social distance and germs and all this stuff. And I'll say, hey, do you have one of these? I'll show your, your smartphone. And they'll be like, yeah. I'm like, when's the last time you washed it? Uh, have you seen people's microwaves? Their microwaves. <laughs> even your wallet, right? Oh, yeah. Or for a woman, if you have a purse, have you cleaned it? Have you dis- disinfected it ever? Right. And you actually can hear this. Um, uh, some nurses that I know are are just pulling their hair out because people are walking around with masks on and, and rubber gloves. And then they're touching everything with those rubber gloves. Right. Rubber gloves don't stop the, 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 the transfer. You put them on for your task, then you throw them out when you're done your task. Right. You want to go through an entire box of rubber gloves for everything that you touch in a day, then yeah. that's what you need to do if you really want it to have an impact. Like Otherwise, surgeons don't walk around their office with their gloves on, their mask, then go into the operating room with the same glove and masks right. and operate on you. Like that would defeat the entire purpose. Yeah. Okay. So like <laughs> this is a pretty extreme example, but let's say you, you, you want to have sex with multiple people. And one has AIDS and one doesn't. And you know the one has AIDS, so you put on a condom. And you fuck the, you fuck the person that has AIDS right. with the condom. And then immediately after, you jump onto the other one and you right. start fucking her with the same condom on. Okay, so this, well. This would have been a, a video produced in Las Vegas rather yeah. than California. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But that's, that's the, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, like the rubber gloves, you're just making yourself feel good. Right. right. It's a, it's a, it's emotional. It's a, it's a soothing mechanism. It's not actually doing anything if you're not doing it right. Right. It's a, it's a, a security blanket of the mind. Right. Um, but back to the whole, the whole, the whole lockdown thing, it's just the, what was it? The health minister, the chief health advisor for British Columbia came out just last week and said, go outside. It's better for you. Yeah. When they say that saying is actually from, from medical science, the best, um, disinfectant is sunlight. Yeah. Right. Well, this is because there's ultraviolet uh, radiation that comes from the sun, (laughs) makes it through the atmosphere and hits us. And in the proper amounts, it doesn't burn us and kill us. I mean, unless you like sit out all day under the sun. But those short wavelengths, they can actually replicate them with lights. So in some rooms in certain facilities, when you go in there and that light turns on and passes over your body, that's because those short wavelengths are like the sun's. It kills the viruses on the surface of whatever it hits. Okay. So, but that's just it. It's funny though that they're saying, got to stay indoors, stay home, stay home, stay home, stay home. And, and now they're saying, oh, wait, go out. Go outside. And, and schizophrenia would, in the medical community, man. Well, it's, this, this, <laughs> this is part of the reason why I'm so frustrated, right? If there was a consistent, this is what we need to do. This is what we should do. This is the best science that we can offer. And it was offered objectively and it didn't change. But yet the World Health Organization, World Health Organization, see, I'm starting to slur my words. I'm not even drinking. No. Saying, <laughs> saying there's no human to human transmission. So parroting China's. Um, right. That's when it's political. Yeah. In the medical community, th- this, there's no schizophrenia in the medical community. But the reason it seems like it 
is because there's schizophrenia in the political community. Sure. These people are speaking with an authority that they simply do not have the right to wield. But not only that, so like they said, wearing masks will do nothing. Suspending travel will do nothing. Not going out to right. this this event will do nothing, right? Like they, they kept changing it. And then on a dime, they're like, oh, by the way, you should also wear masks. And yeah. you should also wear gloves and you should also social distance. But hey, just, you know, keep doing this. Get your yeah. exercise. We, get the, outside. And but then don't say, go outside too often. Like, like they, they like flatten the curve. We got to flatten the curve. So stay home. We'll flatten the curve. And we're like, oh, we flatten the curve. They're like, yes, but stay home anyway. Right. Right. Well, what is it? Well, which is it? Well, I, you know, you look at that guy. I, I wish I knew his name off my head. But that video where he says, you know, now we've taken it out of the community and it's back in the home, in the family union. We need to go into the home. Oh, yeah. And remove people from the home. It's like Someone from the World Health Organization advocating the, uh, like, the humane or whatever. Dignified, dignified removal. removal of children from people's homes. <laughs> well, he so, didn't say children. He said the infected. Right. To, but to be fair, you but know. it's about protecting kids, right? So, yeah, sure. Fuck I mean, off. You don't touch my kids. And this is the guy, you know, people are watching and, and they're accepting what he's saying. He was part of a government. I think it was in Ethiopia where he comes from. Not that guy. That, the, they're talking about. Um, oh, that's right. This is yeah, a different guy. A different guy. But, the, but the one that mostly you're seeing, the guy in the most prominent position, he was part of a government. That, well, people weren't even rioting or anything. They just went in the street while they're having a celebration and started shooting them in the street. And now he's one of the top guys at the World Health Organization. And we're listening to this idiot. A festival has ended in bloodshed in Ethiopia. Dozens of people have been killed in a stampede after police confronted ethnic Oromo protesters. People in the crowd held up crossed wrists, a popular gesture of dissent before the stampede happened. Thousands were attending the festival, which was taking place in the Oromia region, which has seen several months of sometimes deadly anti-government protests. The authorities did not give a precise death toll, but confirmed lives were lost, blaming people that prepared to cause trouble for the chaos. The opposition said at least 50 people were killed, while one activist said up to 300 died and many more were injured. Some were killed as the crowd fled in a panic after security forces fired rubber bullets and tear gas, creating a stampede. Some ended up falling into a deep ditch. According to Human Rights Watch, more than 400 people have been killed by government forces in protest by the Oromo people since 2015. At least 75 people have been killed during weeks of protests in Ethiopia. That's according to Human Rights Watch, which says soldiers and police have been firing on demonstrators. Students have been venting their anger over government proposals to take over territory in the Aromia region. There are fears that Addis Ababa will grab land that's traditionally been occupied by the Oromo people, the country's largest ethnic group. The government's not responded to the Human Rights Watch claims, but has previously put the death toll at five yeah like this is what i mean it's politics is very filthy and dirty but if you're gonna start listening to people you gotta find out their dirt well look you at got to. look at dr Teresa tan is that yeah. correct how you Here say in her Canada. Name? right she's also on uh the world uh, like a like a sure. council of the world health organization yeah. and i think she was one of the ones that voted the secret vote the secret vote it's like science is supposed to be transparent right that, that's the whole purpose of it is like these are this is my evidence this is why i'm making this this hypothesis yeah. now it's up to the rest of the scientific community to examine that hypothesis and then tell me whether or not i'm i'm onto something or not and i, I that's a bastardized version of the scientific method i understand that <laughs> but, 
but I'm just talking into a mic right now. Why do they need a secret vote? Well, this is this is what I'm talking about politics, right? Um, so James Randi, a lot of people know James Randi in the circles that we have run in over the years. Yeah, James Randi was just a magician. Why was it he was able to train some young people on multiple occasions, go into a scientific laboratory environment where they had all their controls in place, and convince those scientists that they were psychic? These were these were not stupid scientists. And they were running their tests, what they thought at the time, very effectively to screen for the tricks. Well, it's because James Randi was using street smarts and he knew how to mislead people. And the scientists felt that because they were experts in their field and they were so well educated that they had an arrogance, they had blind spots they they weren't aware of. And he exploited them. Right. Uh, it's um, this kind of illusion that because you you are really good at one thing, you uh, right. you can't be tricked. Right. So this is why, uh, you know, I, I still really like Richard Dawkins, but... This is why when it comes to politics, I'll often harass him. Uh, he does, I'm sure he doesn't even see my tweets, but I'll, I'll say stuff on there that's not flattering. It's not like I'm calling him names, but I do tease him and make fun of him quite a bit about his political position. Because even though he's amazing in his field and he's done a lot of stuff that's great outside of that field even, when it comes to politics, this guy is a babe in the woods. A lot right? of people that I used to look up to, um, you know, in the skeptic community seem to be following a similar trend where because they're really educated, they just assume expertise in fields outside of their field of expertise. I, two years on since the last time you and I have done the recording, I've kind of done some soul searching, right? So, yeah. so here, here's an admission, you know, the hundred percent transparent. I don't know shit. People shouldn't. Listen. <laughs> People, uh, like I went to college. Cool. Big fucking deal. I, you know, I, I've been, I've, I've had a brush with university. Big fucking deal. Like yeah. nobody should take my opinion as, as a gospel truth on anything. And right. I would hope yep. that they wouldn't. If I ever started to see people listening to me, like I actually had an authority to speak on anything, I would seriously question whether or not they should ever listen to me again. Well, I mean, people, what, you're talking about listening to you as in what you say, they just absorb it and think it's true. Yeah. Like listening to arguments and facts are good, but always you have to process it critically yourself. At the end of the day, you're responsible for your own perspectives. Well, it, it, it's, it's frustrating because there's so much groupthink happening right now. And, and the, the closest thing to a reasonable argument that I've seen about uh, the world's response to this, but particularly Canada's response, is that if we didn't act quickly, it could have gotten out of hand. All right. right. So, so okay, let's go with that. Let's assume that, that the first response was to stave off a potential disaster. I'll give that to you. Right. But once we hit that first series of criteria where we could reasonably assume that the emergency was over, the fire was out, it was mostly just smoldering. Right. You know, uh, there's still a risk of getting burned. There's still a risk of collapse. You know, just to use that analogy to drag it out a bit further. But the real emergency has passed. Right. Once right. you're giving them evidence that the thing they were afraid about is no longer to be feared. Yeah. So, so at this point, it, it, you know, you need to sift through the debris and, and figure out what happened, what, what went right, what went wrong, how could we have responded to, yeah. to, to it better. But that's not what we're doing here. We're no. still, we're still acting like this thing is going to blow up. Like, like it's going to, it's going to cause the yeah. end. The bomb's been diffused, but we're acting like it still could explode. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's down to the one second mark. Well, not only that, <laughs> this sets a precedent for the future that we're constantly waiting for new bombs. Right. Like every year there's new viruses. Like the coronavirus is a type of virus. Right. 
The H1, I think, was that one of them as well? I don't know. That one wasn't. That was a different one. But The H1 uh, and one uh, SARS was, and there was another one. I MERS. Was, MERS. Yeah, MERS. that was more in the Middle East. Yeah. But we have them from time to time. If it's not a coronavirus, it'll be another kind. Well, if the idea is that, well, we don't know and we could all die, well, that's every virus every year. When are we going to have an active economy? When are we going to have our rights back? Never. We're only for brief little periods. Well, for, for people who might be listening who aren't Canadian. So in Canada, we have our Bill of Rights and then we have our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Yeah. And uh, I believe, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty certain that Section 33 is the notwithstanding clause, which essentially well, allows the government of a province or of the country to suspend um, certain rights, um, mainly the ones enshrined in Section 2. Um, and, and suspend them for, for whatever purpose or law they, they have in place. So for the quarantine act for federal and in the terms of, uh, Ontario, the emergency management and civil protection act suspends those freedoms. Yeah. Right. And, and what makes this, this clause in our, our charter particularly well, bad is so that I think it's, I think you might have misstated it's the constitution and attached to that is our charter of rights. Yeah. Okay. Charter of rights and freedoms. But that notwithstanding clause is in the charter, I believe. Yeah. And, and, and what makes that particularly fucked up is that it does not require or require, I said that twice. It doesn't require judicial review. Yeah. In fact, it's not demanded. This is it's the not problem. Yeah. yeah. Judicial review should happen as soon as possible, not after the events. Right. So, you know, you want to take, you want to, you want to take away people's rights. You should have to go to the Canadian Supreme Court or provincial Supreme Court or, or its equivalent in the, in the province and say, we have an emergency unfolding. Uh, you know, in this period of time, based on our models, this is what's going to happen if we do yeah. nothing. We need to, we need these powers. So, so how, okay, so you're talking about this. I just want to say because it's completely relevant. I know the Nazis and Hitler are used all the time as examples for all kinds of nonsense, but literally, how did Hitler seize power in Germany? He declared an emergency when he said that the communists are going to, are attacking us from within. He declared an emergency. He seized power and then he never gave it up. He kept building on it and never returned it. So you need safeguards in place against this type of abuse. And the way our current laws are written in Canada, and I think in many places, is that we have a certain amount of trust that we won't abuse it within society. Well, that clearly did not manifest. They did abuse it's it. irrational. That expectation is irrational. And now you have discount, discount Chris Farley, uh, a.k.a. Doug Here Ford. Ontario, yeah. Um, yeah. People might know Rob Ford, his brother, was the crack uh, smoking mayor of Toronto. Yeah. Now we got his his, his younger, less impressive brother. Yes. Um, Who's not a crack crack addict, but he's uh, That dumb. we know of. <laughs> he's, he's got no spine. I don't know what that, what happened, but. Uh, you know, and, and for anyone who says that I'm rigid in my thinking because they're like, oh, you just hate Doug Ford. Like, literally on a dime, people. Like, anyone who's listening, you have to understand. So, when Doug Ford got elected yeah, in we Ontario. Yeah, were both very amused. Yeah, I was very, very amused, right? Because he was cutting he was cutting programs that were dead weight that were brought in by yeah, Kathleen Wins. Cutting the budget. Yeah. yeah. Uh the not not bending the knee to the teachers unions. You know, he was he was acting like an adult who just took control of his petulant child's uh, checking book and realized that that kid just spent away his inheritance and now he was trying to fix it. Yeah. And everyone was losing their fucking mind about it. And I had to defend this guy and say, no, he's actually acting like a responsible leader doing X, Y, and Z. And people were just like, you're a bigot. You, you just, you're a conservative. It's, it's all, you know, you're just a right wing nutter. Okay, it's fine. The, it's the old thing Milton Freeman said is that everyone's all for cutting budgets and programs we can't afford until it becomes one that they benefit from. Right. So now, <laughs> so now this guy has used the emergency act 
Um, even if you could have justified it for two weeks uh, or a month, now we're we're well outside what I personally feel it's necessary for. But yet it's still in place. And I'm attacking this guy uh, online, and the same people who less than four months ago would have told me that I was a right-wing nutter are now arguing that he's doing a good job right. and that I'm rigid in my thinking. Well, wait a minute. I am the one who changed my mind. I am not defending this guy against his decisions it's about, here. It's, it's about actions, not about personalities. Right. So I changed my position on this politician. I said, he's doing a good job with this. Now yeah. he's doing a shit job with this. So this has been essentially my position on Trump while I've been listening to all the madness on him from the very beginning. Like my first impressions of Trump was he was a goof. He's right? still a goof. And the idea that he would run was a joke. Yeah. But then after a while, something changed. I realized based on certain criteria, like he's going to win this election. This is before he even had the nomination. He's going to win. Mm -hmm. And then I realized he was doing a really good job about a whole host of things. Not because at any time he'd be a good president, but at this specific time, he was a great president. And the criteria of what he was doing was, was whether I agreed or disagreed with what he was doing. It had nothing to do with his personality. You could make fun of his hair and his skin color all you want. Mm. I don't care. I just, I don't care. Look, folks, before we go too far, I've got something to tell you. Excuse me, but I've got something to tell you first. Thank you for ruining my life! Ashley! What did you do? Everybody's always blaming me for everything. Right, but now that you've said that, every point that you've made previous to this is invalid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, see, I disagree with a number of things that he did, and then my people, you know, people I know that hate him, mm. like, yay! And then they forget that I disagree with them at some point later on. Right. Right. So, like, if he, if he takes a nosedive in his way of handling things, like, I've actually criticized him about that I thought that he should have fought more against the lockdown in the States. He should have. I, I think he caved in more. But at least he's going after the reputation of the World Health Organization. You know, my opinion is the World Health Organization is, if you want to talk about hubris, since Picard has made this word so famous right now. <laughs> the Sheer fucking hubris. The fucking hubris of creating one organization that's supposed to take on the mantle of the world's health is doomed to failure and destruction. Every country should be taking care of their own and, yes, cooperating and coordinating. But what happened here was if every country was on their own, there was no WHO organization, no World Health Organization. When China said, oh, don't worry about the disease. Nothing's wrong here. It doesn't spread between humans. Every country would have had to make a decision on their own. Like, is this bullshit or do we believe them? And yeah. most of them would have said, Nah, I'm going to err on the side of bullshit. And they would have locked down their flights and their goods coming in from China, which that would have been a containment. <laughs> that would have been flattening the curve right. and buying scientists time. But instead, it was what facilitated it getting into every country unchecked was the World Health Organization believed China. And on based on their authority, every country kept their transportation going. And even Trump, when he, when he shut his down pretty early, he was criticized by everyone for it. No, no, no. They... <laughs> No, he wasn't. Um, he handled this wrong from the beginning because right, I right. saw it on MSNBC. That's right. Uh, CNN, too. They, they have this timeline of uh, clips that were definitely not quote mine uh, that show clearly 
that not only is he a buffoon unfit for his office, but he has been wrong on every point. Even the points he was right on, he's now wrong on retroactively. When you're in these discussions with people, you know, if they would at least admit what they did wrong previous to this conversation, where they were completely wrong, I would give them some credit in the conversation. It would go a long way with me. So when this first happened, they, what were the what were the people saying on the left and in Canada, our government officials? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll run with this because I think I know where you're going. So the, a lot of the people that I spoke to said that if we just shut everything down for a month, just shut it down for a month, everything, 100%, except the necessities like groceries and, uh, you know, medical facilities, uh, police, fire, all those, everything will go back to normal. And I said right from the beginning, no, it fucking won't. Right. No, it won't. No, you are living in a fantasy land if you think that you can shut down the world yeah. and suffer no long-term repercussions. And I'm not talking just the amount of dollars in your bank account. I'm talking about your your mental health, your family life, your 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 friends, everything. And now, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to argue this. I have been an absolute prick online where now every art- <laughs> every article that comes out that says that 15% of Canadian farms or Ontario farms are going out of business, that 42% of these Toronto businesses are not going to make their May rent and oh, these landlords are not giving any rent breaks to their tenants. I'm pointing this out and going, who could have predicted this? Yeah. You know, and, this is and my video on supply chains, man. Like people don't care until they care. Right. And, and now you have McDonald's, uh, in Canada who's going to be getting their beef from the U.S. because can't Canadian beef can't get to the market, right? It's, it's not happening, right? So our food prices are going to go up and, and we're going to have, meanwhile, we're going to have a recession, which means our dollar value is going to go down. Right. Well, Canada's already looking at, uh, possibly having its credit rating cut. Right. So yeah. the cost of borrowing is going to be crazy. They're saying that by 2021, our housing markets are going to go belly up. And our um, debt was already out of control because of Trudeau. Right. Which, you know, like every country is going to be in a little bit different situation, but these are the factors that you need to consider. So Sweden's being criticized by a lot of people right now because the people who loved Sweden for the last 10 years and have talked, you know, a lot of atheists I know, a lot of people who believe in immigration. Oh, look at Sweden. Sweden's wonderful. They're perfect. Now they're like, Sweden's awful. They were yeah. murdering their own citizens because they didn't have a lockdown. Look at all yeah. the dead people there. Uh, there was a video um, uh, where a gentleman who lives in Sweden um, has basically said that their socialist government doesn't care about us. They're not reporting the numbers accurately, which, by the way, Italy wasn't reporting people who died of COVID-19 accurately. Neither was the States, Canada. Like, like there's an incentive, I think, to to chart somebody's death as being COVID related or of COVID instead of with COVID. It's because it stemmed from World Health Organization's laid out recommendations, which again, were not protocol, that they said in order to get funding most quickly to where it needs to be, every country should assign funding value to people diagnosed with COVID. And then if they are treated for COVID, assign more value based on the treatment. And if they die, make sure you get like a top amount that gets sent to each hospital or each uh, care facility where someone was died because then you know they have money for, right. for so, the treatment. so it's politically incentivized and monetarily yeah. incentivized to say that there are more than there is like to a point where like um and, and again these are individual reports so don't take me at my word right you can look these things up yourself but there are reports that like you know um a gentleman's son passed away i believe it was in louisiana and it was it was some complication due to heart heart failure or something wrong with his heart 
And because he tested positive for COVID-19, it was left as a – or categorized as a COVID-19 death. Right. Um, and, and this is not an isolated story. This is happening in country after country, province I've heard state. stories of families fighting with the hospital uh, faculty or the, uh, the staff because they're informed, well, we're going to have to write this down as a COVID death because of a technicality. And the family fights because they're outraged that it's clearly an unrelated issue because having the virus doesn't mean it's your cause of death. A lot of people are what we said asymptomatic. So if you go to the hospital and you die of pneumonia, right, it could be related to COVID or it could be you had pneumonia and COVID wasn't affecting you in any noticeable way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand why they would think because COVID apparently causes, not apparently, but I'm using that I'm using that example because of the lung issues, right? Right. But there's other stuff like you go in and you have a kidney failure. Oh, what was oh, they, oh, we tested them in autopsy. They had COVID. Yeah, there was a, there was another report where a family was in, uh, interviewed by an independent news organization, and again, the the, the amount of vitriol that is lo- lobbied or, or lodged, lofted, whatever. I'm getting the lodged, word wrong. Yeah, lodged. Yeah, uh, towards independent news organizations is like if you are an independent reporter or an independent news organization, you are illegitimate. All right, you, you automatically, yeah, automatically, you're illegitimate. And- so this one uh, interview that was done by an independent reporter. Um, with a family member, they said, you know, they, they, they took my grandmother's death as being from COVID-19 and it wasn't. And the doctor on staff told the family that any death that isn't from a car accident or, or, a, gunshot. or a gunshot is going to be registered as a COVID-19 death. There'll be funding for the hospital. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like a lot of people are like, well, you're making doctors sound greedy. No, listen. If you're in a medical care facility and you know that funding is the difference between life and death for patients down the road or even now, don't you think you might be motivated to follow uh, the protocols that are in place, even though they're they're unethical, to be certain? These recommendations are unethical. Uh, but when, don't you think you might follow them for the sake of your own uh, patients? Maybe. That money could save lives. I'm not going to ascribe, like me personally, I'm not going to ascribe a motive to doctors who are I, on the front Neither line. am I. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, they don't have to be evil people doing evil things. They can do these wrong things, but for better, like what they think of as higher reasons. Right. Because the responsibility is supposed to be the politicians that are putting these, these uh, funding criteria in place. They shouldn't be doing that. No, because I mean, there was that one expert that basically said that, that you know, when you look at the number of deaths that happened from uh, H1N1. Right. Or SARS, MERS, anything like that. Um, yes, there was, uh, there's a range. Like when you look at the number of deaths, they could confirm only so many thousand, tens of thousands of deaths from H1N1, but yeah. they were able to extrapolate or estimate up to 750,000 deaths on the low end of the scale, about 150,000 deaths, but only about 16 or 17,000 deaths were actually confirmed with laboratory tests. Right. Right. Okay. So when you look at H1N1, if only 16,000, just shy of 17,000 deaths were confirmed in a laboratory test, if we were talking about H1N1 today and not COVID-19, that number would not be causing any panic, right? But that's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about laboratory confirmed tests of the dead. Right. They're talking about the estimated ranges, all right? So, so and, and not even fairly estimated ranges. It's like, okay, you died and somebody in the next room had COVID-19, you have COVID-19, you know, oh, we took a swab of your mouth. You had it. Well, okay, you had it. Well, apparently it's not a swab of your mouth. Apparently they shoved something in your nose, blow oh, out your mouth. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care where they put the. It, it sounds horrible. It could be a rectal rectal exam for all I care. My point is, is that well, when they just test my blood for God's sake. Right. <laughs> right. So they're 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 sitting there and they're saying like we've taken a blood test or we've taken this nasal swab of this corpse. We confirmed they have COVID nineteen. 
but was that the cause of death? Like, how much digging well, is actually being done here? Let's use a, a silly example just to push the, the limit to make it more clear. Superman could come to Earth. <laughs> this is what I mean, right? Oh, wow. We're going far out here. Superman could come to Earth, and someone could kill him by stabbing him in the head with kryptonite. He could go to the hospital right now. They could test him and find COVID on his body. Now, COVID could not possibly make him sick in any way, let alone kill him. Well, unless he had kryptonite in his body, but that's his But under these regulations, <laughs> in many places, they could list him as a COVID death. Sure. Now, this sounds absurd to the average person, but the average person doesn't understand bureaucracy. They don't understand. Like a doctor working on the ground level understands it enough to know that if he's in an area that doesn't get good funding and he sees it hurting his patients or even killing them, when he gets an opportunity or she gets an opportunity to start saying, okay, well, they told me to put this down and this will give money for my patients, then it's very see where that connection happens. Right. Well, here's the other the other thing uh, that, that I'm a little concerned about. So- Everyone started talking about the surge in cases about mid to late March, right? Yeah. Yep. In the beginning, we didn't have any tests. And the tests that we had were inaccurate or the tests we were buying from China. Maybe not us, but other nations were buying from China. They were, what was like 70% wrong? Right. All right. So then we develop our own tests. Fine. Now we're having other companies develop tests with these things. So as these tests get widely distributed, right, it's going to start off slow at first. Like this is just, this is just inarguable, right? You're going to have a slow trickle of these tests finally hitting the the market, I guess is the best term I can use, but they're getting to where they need to go. Yeah. And now they start testing pockets of people who have been waiting for these tests to go, oh my God, I think I might have COVID. Well, yes, the more tests that you have available and the more testing that you do, you're going to see those numbers rise. Right. But in that initial t- point in time when there was no tests and it was spreading in the community, there there was more spread. There was... There was nothing, there was nothing stopping it and there was no way to track the numbers. But now you're getting these tests after the fact. And some of these people are, are recently infected by people who were infected before. And it, of course the numbers are going to go up and they're going to continue to go up and there, there's no stopping that. So one of the standard things that is in the medical science about viruses is herd immunity. That's funny. This term. Oh, you crazy now. Yeah. Oh, you're So. There's a, a thing called anti-vax, people who are against vaccinations. They think that they're wrong or they just trust them. And in our circles, again, they have been widely uh, and soundly, the anti-vaxxers have been treated like they're fools or, or crazy people. I've been called one recently. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So look, we've been working for years to help people understand the benefit of vaccinations. The science of this is well-documented. It can really reduce a lot of, of death, but also suffering. Yep. Right. It can actually eliminate illnesses if it's done appropriately. Now, here's the problem. Now, we are taking a situation that was not actually an emergency, and we're blowing it so far out of proportion that now we're talking about mandatory vaccinations on an annual basis. Get fucked. Right. This is not the way vaccinations are meant to be done. So, the herd immunity is a part of our biology. So, anyone who doesn't believe in creationism understands (laughs) that we're evolved, right? We didn't just pop out of a jar sometime recently. And so, the way our ancestors developed and just naturally ways to exist with our environment is that we're constantly being in contact with microbiotic things, including viruses. We develop not necessarily just individually, but collectively, we develop immune systems to things. So, even if some of us die, we don't all die. And that it doesn't keep ravaging us on an ongoing basis. Some illnesses like the flu mutate quicker, or what we call the common cold. They're less deadly, right? So this is why we can coexist with them. But I think what they're they're trying to pump this illness up to the point where people forget that when we get this illness, we will develop as a species, and we already have, we're largely already there, 
developing a herd immunity. So we don't need to develop vaccinations for illnesses that are not going to threaten our lives in a major way like the measles. The measles, uh, polio, these types of illnesses needed to go. Well, this one, which, which one of those ones? Smallpox killed like 300 to 500 million people? Well, and then some of these illnesses, okay, so in situations matter. So you go, well, herd immunity didn't help the Native Americans and Europeans started showing up. Well, you are correct about that, but there are mitigating factors. These two populations of people have been separated for a very long time. Just tens of thousands of years. It's really right? just- and so there were just completely different factors in their lives for countless generations. And when they became exposed to the filthy Europeans, <laughs> yeah. the viruses, they it was like a field day. But there were other things as well. The way that they would deal with illnesses, they didn't have any way of treating them. They didn't have any understanding of them. They didn't know how they spread. So they'd all, for instance, many of them had cultures in these different uh, nations over here. The natives would sit around the dying or dead person and they'd be touching them. They didn't know to destroy their blankets. They didn't know about washing their hands all the time. They didn't know any of that stuff. So all that stuff added to a massive devastation. We understand this now. Well, at least the ones of us who aren't pigs. <laughs> well, sure. I've had I've had discussions with with uh, individuals. Um, one of them being an RN uh, who tried to compare what we're going through now with the Spanish flu. Right. Um, uh, interesting note: from my family history. Uh, my mother's grandmother, so my my great grandmother, um, lost seven of her nine siblings. Whoa. To the Spanish flu. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, like her, her, more than half her family died. Um, it was horrible. And I agree with them that, 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 that in that level of, of death, people's fear reactions start to seem reasonable. Right. Um, but it was a hundred years ago. <laughs> it was in right. 1918. And so much more common back then, sharing drinks. That's just one thing out of many. Well, that and and so people who keep trying to compare this to Spanish flu. Listen, Spanish flu. The most vulnerable people to Spanish flu were pregnant women, and the age range that it attacked was between twenty and forty. Right. All so right? very different illness. Very different illness. It attacked. That matters. It, it it attacked the breeding population. It wasn't as bad for the very old or the very young. It was the breeding working population yeah. that that was most at risk, and it was charted around the world thanks to World War One. You know, so and that was enabled by also then when they they kept quiet about it and they sent everyone home from the war. Yeah, people think the Spanish flu came from Spain. Once again, it didn't, it didn't come the from monster Spain. Of politics. Politics is not a rational creature. People need to understand this. When you want to talk about science, separate science and always understand where it comes into contact with politics. Politics is an animal. It works on instinct. Then what's the point? What's the point of being president? You're powerless. No, no, I'm not powerless. Because, because I understand the system. I believe I can, uh, I can control it. Maybe not control it totally, but uh, tame it enough to make it do some good. Sounds like you're talking about a wild animal. This is why real dumb, dumb, moronic people like our Prime Minister Trudeau can be so powerful. He's a dumb man, but he has the animal instincts of how to give people what they want, how to manipulate people. He's, he's sly. Yeah, and have you noticed that that since he, I've always hated his voice, and, and I'm, I'm, I know this is a person, I know this is a personal attack, but I'm also not running I hate against his him. Voice. It's in my head. But before, when he had a majority government, he spoke with a, a particular level yeah. of normal his force. cadence, his yeah, his everything. Like I'm here to fight for Canadians, and we're doing this, and we're doing this, and whether you believed him or not, because I don't think he had reason to be believed, he at least spoke with this with this 
kind of force that he knew he had the power behind him. And yeah. now he has a minority government after the last election. And even when he's trying to tell people enough is enough, you need to stay home. Yeah. Like everything. Mr. Serious Face. Yeah. Mr. Serious Face. But, but not, it's not even just serious. It's like he's t- trying to talk like he's buttering people like, hi. I yeah. know that we're all feeling pain, and I know that we're all in yeah. this together. Okay, so recently, I'll give an exact example here. Recently, so our our minister of health has a Chinese background, I believe, right? She's I, I don't born know. in Hong Kong. I think it's Chinese. Maybe so. I she's know. obviously East Asian heritage, and so she has been a real stool pigeon for the World Health Organization. She has completely and royally screwed up everything here in Canada. She's just a disgrace. Yeah. This is all a fact. Now, people can defend her all they want, but they can only do it through ignorance. Uh, so, we had a conservative MP, another leader, just an MP, who publicly called for her to be fired because of that. Yeah. So, the response was for Trudeau, had a question period with the media, <laughs> fed a question to a journalist. And she studiously read the question back to him at the due time. And it was, you know, basically making it sound like this guy was a, a racist. Canada is not a place. For racism. Right. And that's the way he says it. Yeah. It's like, thanks, kindergarten teacher. I guess racism is bad after all. <laughs> Canada is an open and inclusive society. Unless you disagree with me, then it's no place for you, you racist bastard. If I were getting a question like that as a public figure, and they asked me about like this, you know, is racism bad, essentially, I, would, I probably would have laughed. I mean, like, already, of course racism is bad. They already established this. Do you remember that news conference like back in late 2015 when he was talking about quantum computers? And they fed him that question. They too. fed, they fucking, and everyone's like, oh my God, see, he's not that stupid. He knew he's what so a quantum smart, computer is. They fucking fed him that question as, as clearly as Donna Brazil fed Hillary Clinton the goddamn debate questions. Manipulators <laughs> don't have to be that bright. So this is related. People in Hollywood. I've studied acting for years, right? And so I've told people actors aren't that bright. And they always have an odd response to this. Like I'm insulting actors. I guess so you could see it that way. But really what I'm saying is you need to memorize your lines and emote. Show emotion. As long as you can follow those directions and do it well in front of a camera or on stage, you can you have a chance at being a successful actor. Or speak sultry. <laughs> <laughs> it's manipulation. Yeah, exactly. You know, there were times when I was doing Jack that I actually felt... Retarded, like yeah. really retarded. Oh, yeah. I mean, I brushed my teeth retarded. I rode bus retarded. Damn. In a weird way, I had to sort of just free myself up to believe that it was okay to be stupid or dumb. To be a moron. Yeah. To be moronical. Exactly. To be a moron. An imbecile. Yeah. Not the dumbest motherfucker that ever lived. When I was playing the character. When you was a character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as Jack, definitely. Yeah. Jack. Stupid ass Jack. Trying to come back from that. In a weird way, it was almost like I had to sort of fool my mind into believing that it wasn't retarded. And by the end of the whole thing, I was like, wait a minute, you know? I flushed so much out, how am I gonna jumpstart it up again? It's just like, yeah. Yeah, right? You was farting in bathtubs and laughing your ass off. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Now, with acting, as opposed to their personal life, celebrities and you have a positive relationship because you want to be deceived. That's their job. Like, Otherwise, you would just be watching someone give a speech or something. But in politics, or even you know, when you see celebrities in the news and stuff like that, now this is a, this is a detrimental relationship because they are attempting to manipulate you. If you go along with this, then you need to be aware of the fact that you are going to be misled repeatedly. Yeah. You're not going to understand what's going on because you've decided to just go with the flow of the people you like. Yeah, and and look, there are a lot of people out there 
who are making these arguments who I believe deep down don't actually believe them. They, they, they understand, yeah. they understand which way the wind is apparently blowing and they are, they're either scared quiet or they're scared to arguing for a position they don't hold because they believe that the majority of people hold it going back to the news here in Canada and around the world going, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Um, Judge Wapner, five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, so, this is a short phrase. So flatten the curve. That's another one. Stay home. Social distance. Social distance. Oh, there's a bunch of them. We're yeah. all in this together, together apart. Together apart. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and this is, I just want to say as a footnote, these are the classic signs we've known for many decades about propaganda. Short phrases, often repeat them, sing them if possible, but often repeat them. And then a- Reduce it to the simplest uh, yeah. common denominator. And then the third factor is apply pressure, then offer relief. Apply pressure, offer relief. Yeah. So- We're all going to die. Stay home. We'll take care of you. Yeah. It's spreading. Don't worry. We can flatten the curve. Like This is highly manipulative. It's used in, in uh, what you call interrogation all the time. Yeah. I mean- I don't know. You're a busy see. guy. They're getting a phone call during our. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not getting a phone call. I'm just gonna hang it up. Um, and have you have you disinfected that smartphone? We're all gonna die if you haven't. I licked it clean. With my, <laughs> I had a dog a dog lick it clean because a dog's tongue is the most sterile thing ever. So th- th- right. there you go. Like I've heard this. A Especially dog's after licking their butt. Right. So everyone <laughs> should just buy a dog and then get the dog to lick your hands clean, and COVID will die. That's that's not true. People that's believe not. the strangest things. So like. so here 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 I think we're getting to the point where we've kind of shared our opinions and and, and I'm glad now that we're, we're just mocking people. Now <laughs> we're just mocking people. But here here's where you don't need a degree in economics right. um, to to understand to seek the, out the basics. Yeah, to understand the basics that the response to this is going to have some long lasting uh, yes. problems. So so these are not so much predictions as they are just for lack of a better word, common sense, uh, common sense, uh, projections that you're going to have, and I've already started to see a spike in, um, suicidal ideation, uh, depression, anxiety. Um, I, I also think you're going to start to see something similar to like a post-traumatic stress for people who are under sustained pressure from this for a very, very long period of time. Especially kids. Kids have been having, I know, uh, children are not meant to be cooped up inside and not see any of their peers. Yeah. And uh, I think we're raising, if the, if the generation we have now is young adults to adults are people who have been coddled and are too trusting, the next generation is being taught right now the lesson of you can't trust anyone. You gotta look over yourself. Right. So, like, I mean, this is, this is, this, this, at least in, from Canada's perspective, or at least from my perspective as a Canadian, has, has both with the restriction of our freedoms and freedom of movement, uh, which, by the way, interestingly enough, the notwithstanding clause is not supposed to apply to our ability to our, – our right to mobility. Yeah. yeah. Which is the one they most apply to too. Right. But, okay. But this is the thing is people, they're, they're preying on people's ignorance. The, the, so, in Canada, everyone should check their, their own country's law and read through it that's being applied to give the government these powers if they've bothered at all. So, in Canada, we what they're using is the Quarantine Act. It's the, kind of the nickname. The and then in the provinces, each of them has their own emergency act that they enact. Right, yeah. So, But but as a nation, we use the Quarantine Act. And what they've done in order to apply this, now the Quarantine Act, when I read through it, is very clear that it is meant to control things at the border and in local affected areas. Yeah. Everything in the language is the normal use of the term Quarantine. Quarantine has never meant an entire society. No, like, I mean, so the, the word quarantine came out of the Black Plague when right. pe- ships going to Venice right. yep. were put, in, put, put on an island for 40 days. And, and interestingly enough, 
It didn't fucking work. Fifty no. percent of Venice still fucking died of the black. And you plague. know why? Because politicians uh, were greedy, <laughs> and they found a loophole, or they they lied basically, and a boat got through with the plague <laughs> in Marsal. I remember Marsal eventually was. If that's true, I wouldn't know. I didn't like. I just recently heard some history on it. Oh, okay, sure. So, but what I'm saying is that there's no foolproof plan, but but they are abusing language and distorting concepts to wrap them around whatever they need them to mean. Right. So I mean, like, look, the people who are. Not so much against the left. I'm not against the left. I'm against a particular version of the left. Right. Right. The, like, like the current one. The, like the current one. <laughs> I like the, the, the 60s and 70s left that believed in things like freedom. But believe it or not, and, and I hope a lot of people don't believe it, right? But in my opinion, this has been like a lesson in how to destroy a nation 101, yeah. right? First, you subvert the education system. Um, with only one political inclination. And anyone who listens to this can go and watch any number of videos, read any number of articles where if you look at academia, yeah. it is, whether it's in Canada, United States, Europe, if you look at the political leanings of the professors, it is predominantly 60% or greater on the left. It's, it's that fine line between educate and, and indoctrinate. Yeah. So now you you have you have your teachers and you have your teachers unions you have your university professors college professors they're all leaning one way so they already yep. have an institutional bias towards a particular way Group of thinking confirmation bias and reinforcement right so then you do this for a generation or two so Trudeau is about forty six years old I'm forty one so so in that forty year span and maybe a little bit before you've seen uh you know when I was going to school public school about. 40% of my teachers were male. By yeah. the time I reached high school, yeah, I had way two, drop off. Way drop off. And now my kids, my kids have one male teacher. One. Yeah. My daughter's had one male teacher so far. And that guy, he had to leave for medical reasons after two months. Right. And, and, and just to be clear, I'm not saying that female teachers are bad or male teachers it's are just, good. It's just, there's no proportionality anymore. Right. So now it's all, it's all one way and it's all one Kids gender. react differently to males and females in general. Right. It's good to have some of both. Because yeah. those male teachers could be left-leaning too. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, trying yeah, to be yeah. clear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying all females are This is another women. factor of it. Right. So you do this for a generation or two. Step three would be to teach everyone that collectivism is uh, superior to individual rights and that the group identity is paramount. The individual does not matter. So yeah. when you look at our response to COVID, people who are between the ages of like 15 to, to, to 50 right now are all like, it's for the good of everyone. Then, you know, to quote a line from Star Trek, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few. Yeah. All right. And that's a great, great line. But everyone's bastardizing that line when they right. use it. Because, because Spock was not forced by the government yeah. to make a sacrifice. Kirk, Kirk didn't hold a phaser up to Spock and say, get in there and fix the reactor, you fucking Vulcan. Right. All right. He did it voluntarily. It's for also the good a of military it. situation. I, I know it's <laughs> yeah. a little different, but... I don't want to get too far. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a bad analogy. It's a bad analogy. All right. Cool. <laughs> but step four would be to fund a national news organization uh, to incentivize them to only report stories from the perspective that's consistent with your agenda. Uh, yeah. Back in uh, Trudeau's first term, what was it? $600 million to the CBC? Yeah, I think it was over a two-year period, uh, so over $300 million a year. Oh, no. We're, no there's a, I'm talking about the fund to every media now. They have a fund for all media. The CBC gets over a billion dollars a year, I think. Jeez. Uh, step that's, five. That's sorry. That's our Canadian broadcast company, our our Soviet style state news yeah. agency. Uh, welcome to Soviet Canada. Welcome to uh, Soviet Canada. But step five would be then to have those news organizations engage in the five stages of propaganda and initiate programs that reinforce groupthink among your base. Right? They don't have to get everyone to agree. 
They just have to get enough of us to agree and create, excuse me, create the illusion of consensus. Yeah. Um, and then step six is to restrict speech, which we've already done in Canada. So if you listen to Jordan Peterson and we're talking about not only just in, uh, enforcing what things you can't say. But telling but, what you have to say. Yeah, so telling you what you have Induced to say. Induced speech. Right. So step six is to like restrict or force speech and Sorry, label. Compelled speech. Consp- yeah, compelled speech. So restrict it or compel it and label anyone who engages in dislike speech. So the people like you and I who walk the line. Yeah. All right. Or step right the fuck over it, but whatever. Yeah. But you, the point is, is that you, you label yeah. them, you know, a conspiracy theorist, a nutter, a yahoo, a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, right? You just, you just, you tack a label on them. Yeah. And that goes right back into groupthink, right? Because, because what you need to do is you need to identify your in-group, out-group, yeah. right? So we're part of the out-group, all right? And then people who would even think like us, um, a lot of people don't have the, the constitution, to stand up to that kind of scrutiny. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to face that kind of public pressure. So they just, shh, 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 it's okay. Yeah. Just, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to keep my head down and I'm just going to get through this. Yeah. Maybe somebody else will deal with this. I'll just be quiet. Right. And then step seven on how to destroy a nation is use every single tragedy to forward your policies that restrict what remaining freedoms uh, are there for your population in the name of the greater good. Yeah. So, you know, you, you you look at things like the Patriot Act. I don't like it. I'm not an American citizen, but I don't like it. You know, you look at them listening on people's phone calls like the NSA databases, right? Or you look at um, uh, this recent COVID uh, situation where they started tracking people's cell phone data, either voluntarily through downloading an app or involuntarily to yeah. see where people were congregating to try and break up these little groupings. The Mayor Toronto was doing that. Right. No, as far as I'm aware, no legal basis to do that. He didn't take it to a it's higher criminal. court. Yeah, but but because it was for the greater good, people are like, well, that's a good idea. I guess I should just do To use another country as an example, outside of, outside of Canada or the U.S., Israel, a lot of people there are upset, uh, very nervous about what their government has done. They are tracking people on the basis of health, and they are using what their secret intelligence uh, their military intelligence developed to track terrorism to get to watch what terrorists are doing. They now use that for every citizen. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's yeah fine. how could that ever be abused? Right? right. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic, you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. And and now the, the final step is to disarm your population. Now, I'm going to be honest, any of these these steps that I've, I've listed out here can be interchanged, like their order yeah. doesn't have to be in this exact order. Um, and I guess you could argue that in the case of the Nova Scotia shooting, which led to them restricting 15 or the, they didn't change the law. What they did is that they added a whole bunch of new restrictions. Well, models. they didn't add a restriction. So in Canada, if you get a firearms license, you have restricted and non-restricted firearms and then prohibited firearms. There's three categories, right? Yeah. So what they've done is they've taken a whole bunch of, of firearms, 1,500 of them that were either in restricted or non-restricted and then moved them down one category. Yeah. All right. Um, or just jumped all those categories right to prohibited. So now that gun you legally bought last year is illegal. But I mean, you, you look at the tragedies like 9-11 and you look at tragedies like, like this, if you want to call it a tragedy, I think that's an overstatement. And what we're seeing is that never let a good tragedy go to waste. 
Right. Never Actually, let it de- Hillary Clinton literally said that. Uh, right. Never let a good tragedy recently. go to waste. So, so now this. people are just handing the keys to the kingdom over on a silver platter. And it's really disheartening. It, it, it really is. Because I thought that, you know, Canadians are always not as polite as people think they are. We're just, we're, we're more snide than anything, right? And we're always like, oh, those dumb Americans. <sighs> you know, but we're quiet about it because, you know, they have more guns than us. <laughs> yeah. But... But here we are, and, and, and I'm seeing these protests across all the United States. These people are openly defying their governors, and the fucking governors can do very, very little yeah. to stop uh, them. As we're recording this, the stage that Michigan is at is that first, there were pro- first people obeyed, and then there were protests. And then the legislature there sided with the protesters in that they would not renew restrictions the governor had in place for the lockdown. So the governor decided in Michigan to ignore the legislature's power and just keep it in place anyway. Yeah. So now the legislature is taking the governor to state Supreme Court. Uh, right. And there was like five people in that in, in that uh, lawsuit and the judge ruled that he can't rule on that. No, no. That was a, that was the previous one. That was the protesters who had lodged that one. This time it will be the legislature, the, the elected members of their state house that are going to the Supreme Court against the governor saying the governor is breaking the law and violating the Constitution, and it's criminal. We are in charge of this decision, and they are ignoring us. In other words, treason. I mean, really, no one uses, wants to use this term anymore. It seems overboard, but we're talking about treason. Sure. But, you know, I mean, it's reasonable treason in the face <laughs> Reasonable treason. <laughs> reasonable treason. You know. We used to hang traitors, and now we don't believe they exist. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's a loaded term. I think it's rather sexist to call her a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so now we should kind of start getting to the wrap up of this, yeah. which means for you and I. Because we're only about, twice as long as we thought we would be. Right. But it'll be about a half hour wrap up. So like here are the predictions. All right. <laughs> and I hope a lot of my predictions are wrong. All right. I just want to be clear on this. I'm not I'm not giddily awaiting the doomsday scenario that follows this. I'm not. I don't. I would rather things open up and it just go back to normal. Just yeah. like everyone's bad. It'll all right. be okay. It'll all be okay. The farms won't close. The food supply <laughs> won't get bad. The toilet know. paper just appears. Yeah. New business owners will materialize out of nowhere with lots of capital to start businesses <laughs> so that you have a job. Um, but no. Look, even in the Great Depression – the stock market didn't crash like even even in the 2008 2009 recession which was really bad yeah it didn't crash like this yeah never before in history even even when people try to say that we implemented social distancing the wearing of masks and stuff during the spanish flu that was big population centers yeah. which we could do a whole video or a whole recording on how this this coronavirus is worse in heavily populated areas like toronto is more than 50% of the cases in ontario and it has a population density of 4,100 plus per square kilometer. The, the area that we live in has a population density of like 43 people per square kilometer. And we've had yeah. less than a couple of dozen cases. And all of them came from outside our area into our area. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the health, uh, the health authority in our area includes two counties. So you also have to include a whole other county to, to be able to, to get to that number of about 30 so. There's a point where, okay, when you're growing up, you're, you're a kid, and you think, well, that there's kids and there's grownups. And I realized at some point when I was a young adult, I started looking around and I realized, oh, wait a second, I'm one of the adults. There's no such thing as grownups. This myth that we grow up believing that you suddenly get to be an adult and you understand things and you're intelligent and you're responsible, that's a myth. No, it has to be earned. <laughs> it has to be earned. Right, and- but I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, I think that people have this relationship with authorities, that they just think, well, they're authorities, so they must be responsible and knowledgeable 
and doing the right thing and know what they're doing. But often behind the scenes, authority figures don't know what the fuck they're doing at all. Right. Here's another thing, right? So so before we get into the predicting what's going to happen next, I just want to say this one thing. There's another human cost that's not being talked about. Yeah. So right now, right now, and I mean this, if you have a loved one who's dying in the hospital, yeah. you can't be with them. That's that's my phone. Um, you <laughs> Your can't, family's like, yeah. are you alive? Yeah. You can't be with them. All right. Uh, you can't go into that hospital and be with them right. if they're hospitalized. If our right? friend, if our friend who had died died just a little bit later, you wouldn't be able to go. Family and friends couldn't have gone to the funeral. Absolutely, like the funeral that I went to on on March third, there was like almost a hundred people there. Yeah. A week and a half later, you couldn't have a funeral with more than ten people at a time. Yeah. Like this thing was lined out the door. All right. So now imagine that. You're a person with an immune deficiency and you're saying everyone's got to stay the fuck home because me, 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 me. Okay, fine. I, I, I get that you have a problem. You don't want to take personal responsibility for your own safety alone. You do want assistance in, in staying safe. Now, a kid dying of leukemia, by the way, totally hypothetical. This is not something that really happened, although I'm sure there's comparable stories, but I just want to be clear. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to over exaggerate this. Some kid is in the hospital dying of leukemia or somebody's had a heart attack. You're yeah. you're the mother, the husband, the wife, the 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 father, and the doctors tell you you have to wait outside. You can't come in. You can't be with your loved one in their last moments. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. I know what happened when my sister passed away. How devastating that was for my family and we were in the fucking room. Right. I was laying beside her in a rented hospital bed in yeah. our in my parents' living room and watched my sister die. And that fucked me up. And I this, was there for her. This is the absurdity uh, of people saying that, you know, basically they're saying you don't care about people, you're insensitive if you don't do such, 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 like I think we're supposed to do. Uh, well, even saying that is really uncaring and ins- insensitive. Right. So, how can you, how quickly can you be hypocritical? How about in the same sentence of what you're saying? Right. So, so let's take it to its natural conclusion. Doug Ford came out and said, is having a b- couple of beers with your buddies in the basement as important as one person's life? One, not a dozen, not a thousand, right. not half the province, yep. one. And hit, and then he answers. Well, that's what I mean. He's dumb. He's yeah, so dumb. He answers his own question and says, no, it's not. As if everyone is just supposed to nod and agree. Okay, fine. If that's your stance on it, then what about that one mother and that one husband or father or wife, cousin, whatever, who wants to be with their loved one in their final moment. They have been bereft, stripped completely of the choice to risk the infection to see that loved one off. Now, I don't believe in an afterlife, all right? But maybe they do. Imagine how devastating it is to somebody who does or doesn't. So, for me, it would be devastating because I don't believe in an afterlife. That's a last fucking chance I have to see that person. Right. All right. To be with them. I got to tell you right now, you want to turn a perfectly reasonable person and maybe I'm not perfectly reasonable, but but what I'm saying is I'm an average guy. You want to turn somebody like me into an enemy of the state. All right. If I rewind how I feel in my head to that point where my sister was was dying on, on that hospital bed. If some asshole in a face mask said you can't go in there, I would have kicked him in the fucking pills and went in. Like they would have had to have stopped me physically. All right. And I'm not some 63 year old woman who got arrested here for locally. Yeah, locally. Kicked kicked a guard in the shin because she couldn't go in. And then they went and they arrested her. Right. When she was walking home already. Yeah. So, but, but, but I mean, this is what I'm saying. You, you, you talk about the human cost about all those devastated families. And then in the same breath, you say those devastated families couldn't be with their loved ones in their last moment. I'm not trying to make an emotional argument here, but this is a human argument. Right. Thank you for giving a voice to this because it's 
so very important. This is invisible. I can't show you an x-ray of depression. I can't show you an x-ray of anxiety. But the fact of the matter is, the longer this lockdown goes on, the more vulnerable people get. And it's like there's a tipping point. There's a point at which people start having enough problems in lockdown that it will actually create more destruction and actually more death across time than the actual virus will itself. 250 people a year die from poverty. And the poverty line is getting such that more and more people are going to fall below that because the economy is crashing around us. And they're doing that because people are dying from the coronavirus. I get that. But look, the fact of the matter is we have people dying. 45,000 people a year die from automobile accidents, 480,000 from cigarettes, 360,000 a year from swimming pools. But we don't shut the country down for that. But yet we're doing it for this. And the fallout is going to last for years because people's lives are being destroyed. So this is my response to this stuff. I can tell I've been affected by people like Christopher Hitchens. Uh, I have told people numerous times when they're telling me their bleed heart opinions is being afraid is not an excuse. You're not impressing me by telling me you're afraid that you're going to die or that your grandparents are going to die or something. All that matters to me is are we doing what makes sense? Right. That's what I want to talk about. So, so. Let's wrap this up and get to the predi- <laughs> I know I've said this is probably the fourth time I've said it. Fourth so, wrap up. All right, fourth right. wrap up. So I predict, I guess, my best guess is that the the collapse that follows this is going to be in the long term much, much worse uh, economically, socially, emotionally, psychologically, and health-wise, like, like physical health, yeah. worse than COVID-19 ever could have been. Oh, yeah. Um, you're going to see uh, a, a rampant increase in poverty, homelessness, depression, abuse, animal abuse, too. Like, I mean, this, this, this is going to touch everything. For all you PETA lovers, you know, who, who don't want animal abuse, farmers can't get their product to, to market and can't afford the feed are going to have to kill cattle, cows, chickens. Like these, these are just all just slaughter them. Yeah. Just slaughter them and, 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 and turn them into chum and throw them somewhere. Like, like this isn't this is going to touch every industry, every home, every person. Um medical procedures that are not done, some of them who that could have been treated are going to become chronic. Um and like I mean I think there's there's one organization in the states that said that they predict or project that cancer deaths will outpace the deaths from COVID-19 over 5 years. Yeah. As a result of this. But that we can ignore, you see. Yeah, cancer cancer is not a big deal because we know we can't cure it with a vaccine. So well, okay. My mindset is a lot more about revolution, man, because I saw this as an attempt to overthrow our status quo and change things while telling everyone it was going to be fine and normal. Uh, this was, if you wanted a taste of socialist life, being locked in your house, having to stand in bread lines outside of stores, being told every time you go out that you could be charged, uh, taken away, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It, it, it will probably get worse before it gets better. And, and just to put it into perspective for people who aren't Canadian, twice – Two times Trudeau tried to enact the uh, Federal Emergency Act, which would have allowed him to seize control of the pro- the means of production. Basically, yeah, that's the old tradi- they changed the language. They used to say we need to seize the control of the means of production. That was the old communist saying. The new communist saying is something more like uh, we need to guarantee that people will be safe. Right. Well, we need to guarantee delivery of service yeah. or delivery of resources. But if you look at it, it's the actions that matter. The government has no business telling. What businesses can run or how to run, short of if they are going out and hurting people intentionally. Right, and, and and I agree. And so, I mean, 
people who listen to this can take away from this whatever the fuck they want. I don't care. Um, at this point, I wouldn't say that I'm entrenched in my position. I am open to new data, to new information. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I can understand it all even. That would be fucking asinine. And that's what I, that's what I try to tell people. I know everything. <laughs> right. I, oh, am I, I supposed to use it? Am I should I dub that out? Am I supposed to use it really? Yeah, you can you can cut it out. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but but here but here's the thing. At the end of the day, ninety um, percent of the people who are debating this online have no understanding of the of the topic matters being discussed, and they they don't have the foresight to see that the things I'm pointing out are going to cause this kind of problem. It's it, it it's kind of like. It's not an issue right now. This is the yeah. issue right now. So, uh, so this is the, what we have to deal with. The future doesn't matter. I have an analogy. What? Here we go. Analogies. Mine are always really good. <laughs> so this analogy is, say you say to someone, hey, listen, um, you're sitting in the backseat, they're driving the car, and all of a sudden they get out of the, they stop, the car's still driving down the highway, and they get up, they undo their seatbelt, crawl in the backseat with you. And they look like they're just happy as can be. No problem in the world. And you're like, hey, we're going to get hurt. And they're like, oh, you mean like the one time I got a flat? Yeah, it was a real pain in the butt. Had to change the tire. <laughs> and in the moments you have left before you hit something, you're like, no, 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 no. We're going to smash into that wall. And they're like, I don't feel anything. Seems fine to me. <laughs> what do you think of that analogy? Uh, it's fine. I mean, you, I, actually, I'm going to say it's shit because you told me my Spock one was shit. So, like, oh. But, yeah. But look, it's in a starship, okay? Yeah. Instead of a car, it's in a starship. I, I, I think that we have set ourselves up as a planet, but as particularly as a country, uh, by about, the way, it was not you're talking about it was bad. I'm talking about people's interpretation of the Spock one is bad. Okay. Well, then in that case, your analogy was correct. Okay, there okay. you go. Um, <laughs> we're still as petty as we always were. Yeah, no doubt. We didn't get over being petty. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we've set ourselves up as a planet, but, but particularly as a nation for about a decade long depression level like um, uh, event. And when I say that, um, it's not going to look like the Great Depression. All right. We have technology the lights are still going to be on you know we're going to still feel like we're in our regular modern world but there's going to be portions of it that that you're going to have to ignore yeah people to- are going to have to step up because we're weakened so all right so we'll, we'll, we're still be wrapping up but one of the issues that people <laughs> fight about all the time is immigration like immigration can be good modern immigration is not like old migration migration is people just pour across your border but for some reason recently Leaders like ours think that anyone can come across the border and we still call it immigration. You're not supposed to call it illegal, they say in the States, right? Bullshit. Immigration should be controlled because it can be very harmful if criminals are coming across your border. If you bring in a whole new culture of people who are antithetical to your value, too many, too fast, they don't have time to integrate. All of this stuff has to be considered. And so you control it and you mitigate those problems and it can be positive. No, no, you're wrong. All right. (laughs) Our leaders don't have to think. And, and, and look at factors. They only have to react and then apologize later. And, and like, particularly in Canada, uh, just as a, like a, a side point before we finally hit the end button and people <laughs> laugh at us because we can't stop fucking talking. Um, you know, anytime the government takes large sweeping social action, I can't tell you how many times it's failed. The Canadian government in particular apologizes to this day for the residential schools inflicted on native communities. It was a horrible thing. 
the Indian Act uh, in the late 19th century and then into the 60s when they did the 60s scoop where they removed all these kids from their homes and their cultures and made them not speak their language and then endowed the principals with uh, of those schools with essentially what was their legal guardianship over the kids under them and then right. abused them and then stripped them of their culture and their identity and whatever. And now they have their own special class of post-traumatic stress disorder just for that. Right. right. And the government has to go, oh, well, you know, we kind of have it wrong. Right. This, this, um, uh, situation around gender in the last five years. And now this with our actions about social distancing and keeping people apart for the greater good and, you know, the new other people. Yeah. Right. This is going to have a generational impact, which my suspicion is, is that when I'm in my golden years, when I'm in my, 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 on my deathbed, we're probably even having newscasts. Um, you know, talking about how they got it wrong. That's my prediction. They're 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 going to have to do some major backpedaling, and and whatever government's in place at that time is going to be saying, yeah, yeah, you know, we had it. We're sorry for the suffering we caused. Well, look, I, the only reason I brought up the immigration is that right now we have debates about it, and there are limitations. But now we're going to be weakened. People are going to be worried about paying their bills. Uh, they're going to have smaller family sizes probably because they're even more stressed out than they were before. More financial issues. So this will bring in most likely people into power eventually who want to open the floodgates of immigration. Oh, there's fewer people. We need more people. This is the only argument they ever use. So people here are going to have the same resistance. Things like, well, we already don't have enough work. We already have too many financial problems. Uh, How are we going to support all these new people? But they'll be too busy now, even more than than now. They'll be too busy in the future worrying about feeding their families to go to – Every advertisement, every other advertisement I see right now is them saying, get a job in agriculture, get a job in agriculture, get a job yeah. in agriculture. There are farms in the, the green belt right now that have less than a quarter of the migrant workers that they typically get to pick their crops. Yeah. And you better believe that when the government gets gets desperate for the food supply to remain stable, that they're going to enact some sort of measure. Well, but even to okay. force people who are collecting like CERB or public dollars to go right. out and pick yes. crops. So the first stage of communism is always, hey, working class, we're all one class. There should be no classes in society. Everyone's like, hey, the government's going to take care of us. Well, once they have power, the next stage is, oh, well, we're not just going to pay you to sit around. We're going to tell you what you're going to work at and you're going to do it yeah. or, or else. Get get the fuck out into the fields. Yeah, and- or working on the road or the bridge that we're building or whatever right. it happens to be. Right, and and just just – Oh, fuck, man. We're never going to stop. The, emer- <laughs> the the Federal Emergency Act, if he had actually managed to get it put in place, would have allowed Trudeau to force qualified individuals to do the job they're qualified to do. Right. So if you're a doctor who's feeling suicidal and overwhelmed because you're on the front line of a hot spot. Right. And then you're like, fuck it. I'm done. I quit. And you walk out. Under that act, if I if I read it correctly, and I'm not a legal scholar, but if I read it correctly, just as a common person, it looks like what it means is that they can send compel authority, you. compel you to get your ass back to the fucking hospital and do this job. Now I don't know how many doctors would actually walk away from it, but I know that in New York, one of them but, but uh, much, was stressed out and committed suicide at her sister's home. But it's a much wider concern. So an expert, for instance, let's say the teams of people who keep your hydro running, your electricity, yeah. Uh, well, when it gets to the point where they can't buy stuff at the store because the supply chain's broken, don't you think maybe they'll stay at home instead of wasting their time giving a bunch of people they don't know electricity every day? Well, not or, if they're compelled. But not if they're compelled. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. It's called right, – I have a video on this. Maybe I'll, I'll drop a link or something in the show notes to this. It, this is called centralized planning, centralized economy. Mm. It always fails 
And it's a vortex. Once the government starts meddling in the economy, it just gets sucked further and further in, always trying to fix the last set of problems. Right. And it decimates your quality of life. Well, not to mention, not to mention that, that imagine the idea of compelled or mandatory vaccines or compelled and mandatory work. All right. Look, I value hard work. I think people who uh, collect uh, government dollars should have training made available to them to get them off government dollars. All right. But some of them just stay on it for life. Whatever, you know, that, that's the, that's the reality. I'm not in a position to change it. But if, if the situation gets so bad that we don't have enough workers to pick our crops, I can see how they use that as a justification to get people who don't have any meaningful skills. So like you're not an optometrist, you're not a firefighter, you're not a police officer, you're not a doctor, engineer, electrical engineer, so on and so forth. You're just ready for manual labor. Fine. If all you can do is pick up a shovel and till soil, fuck, you're going out there. You want to keep collecting dollars? Do you want to have food on the table at a reasonable price? It's probably still not going to be reasonable. Your ass is going out into a fucking field. Welcome to welcome to communist labor. Yeah. And we haven't even touched on letting prisoners go. <sighs> like the amount of stupidity that's happened over the last two months is difficult to contain in a single two-hour talk. Well, I'm sure you could break it up into parts. But anyways, <laughs> uh, that's all I've got for right now. And that's a lie. I've got more, but. Well, okay. So, as a last part, we should probably just say, you know, we haven't done this for over two years. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there has actually, it seems on social media and stuff that from what I'm tracking, that there might even be more interest in our show now that we haven't done it in two years. Maybe some things have changed and people are catching up with the fact that. You know, our, our little slogan I came up with is get ready to root for the bad guys. Oh, we're fucking bad guys. Maybe more and more people are starting to go, you know what? This consensus stuff is bullshit. Yeah. If you want a functional society, you have to have individual rights as paramount because if you're willing to fight for the individual, you're willing to fight for every individual. So I, when we first started the show, I thought it was going to be mostly geared towards skeptics and atheists, but I wanted to choose, I think you agreed with this. I wanted to choose. Uh, apostasy because I want it in a wider context that you should be able to question your own belief system and where you find it that it doesn't measure up that you should not only be able to change it quietly but you should then be willing to talk about that to other people that's what apostasy is we're in just a larger a bunch of, we're just a bunch of fucking nutters dude that's all yeah, we're a bunch of fucking nutters Let, I, right, right wing or left wing depending on who we're talking to I found there's actually a very quiet but a very significant amount of atheists who are conservatives or libertarian or, or not affiliated yeah. who I think are getting quite fed up of every time the word atheist or skeptic uh, skeptic is used it's kind of like the you're not pro-science as if someone owns those labels yeah, the damage, you know, fuck, two years ago, I think when we were still talking, I was, I, you know, at one point I was like, we need to, to fix it. We, yeah. we need to fix it. We need to circle the wagons. And then later on, like right before the end, it just said, fuck it, tear it down. Well, fuck me. You guys listened. You tore the <laughs> shit out of it. And then what was left over, you said, yeah, this is on, the only science and the rest of you are just fucking nutters. But people got to start standing up, man. Like even in Canada, you nut the fuck up. Like this lockdown bullshit. People who continue to ignore it are doing more good than harm. And if people start pressuring you that you're yeah. you're doing harm, just fucking ignore them because they're retarded. Sorry for using the R word, but I'm yeah. sorry, like they're 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 being fucking stupid. If David Silverman can learn, everyone can learn. <laughs> <laughs> He's really coming around. Our first or second episode, it was just me on the track uh, saying he could be on our show anytime because I thought the stuff he was doing was bullshit. Well, he went through a living hell there in the atheist community with people accusing him of shit and believing it. Oh yeah, and now he he he's very outspoken about due process and that the left has some yeah. shit wrong with it. He, he, here's here's my final point, and and I mean this because I'm yeah, going to turn my it. mic off after I say this. <laughs> um, vac- vac- no, just to be clear, vaccines work. Yeah, but if you mandate it, 
and you agree with that mandate, then fuck you if you've ever said that you believe in a woman's right to choose. If you believe in bodily autonomy, right? right, And if you believe that a person has the right to choose what happens to or goes into their body, and then you want to be a hypocrite and justify away my choice or somebody else's choice not to take a vaccine, should it ever become available, you are a fucking hypocrite. The individual, okay, the individual of the liberty is very simple. Individual of the liberty, uh, liberty of the individual is how you ensure everyone's freedom. Because as soon as you go to trying to secure people's rights based on group rights, you, you can't assure people's rights through group rights. This is where the left has mutated into socialism. It used to be in the 60s they were actual liberals. Uh, if you assure someone's rights as an individual based on criteria, that means let's say they're gay and they're getting discriminated, you don't protect them because they're gay. You protect them because they're an individual, but the classification of protection is because they're being attacked for being gay. Right. Right. But you're not protecting all gay people as a group. That means gay people no longer need to compete with other groups because once there's group status for your protection, then it's afforded at different levels based on your your demographics you belong to. Right. So this is what I'm saying. This is the thing we've lost. Yes, vaccinations are good. Forced vaccinations are bad. Why? Because we are no longer looking at people as individuals. We are now classifying them as a demographic. Right. That's it, man. Yeah. Anyways, if you guys are interested in our show, Drop I don't know, give us feedback. We... This, I'll, I'll keep coming over once a week to do a recording. I mean, uh, remotely. Rem- <laughs> remotely. That's right. That's <laughs> so apostasynow.net is our uh, current website we've had for years. You can go there. You can also see links to our Twitter. Yep. Uh, if you're very sensitive, don't go there. Okay. Um, and you know, just all kinds of links. But if you're interested, you can find places to comment uh, on our social media or on our website. Yep. Let all us right. know if you want more episodes and what you're interested in. Uh, I'm going to keep making episodes whether they want it or not. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it. Look, you've got it all wrong. You don't need to follow me. You don't need to follow anybody. You've got to think for yourself. You're all individuals! Yes, we're all individuals! You're all different! Yes, we're all different! I'm not. Shh, air all. Love to breathe this air! Never go for retard.